Hello and welcome to the Shea Hates Everything podcast where we talk about video games, movies, comics, and other shit that matters. My name is Shay, and today I hate condescending people. And my name is Kyle and today I hate myself. So you hate <laughs> other people and I hate right? me. Yeah, I, this, I mean, I feel like we need a running tally because I think this is like the fifth or sixth time <laughs> that you've said I hate myself. And I know I've said that I hate myself before. So why do you hate yourself today? <laughs> the the latest and greatest. Yeah. Um, I just like lately I've not had to deal with certain emotions in a very long time. And those have come up recently. And I'm finding like I've always pride, prided myself in my ability to control how I feel. Um, I feel like I have a really good handle on my emotions all the mm-hmm. time and just lately that has completely gone to shit and so i'm up and down like crazy lately right and like having a really hard time regulating um those low swings um so that's been that's been a jolly old time what's what's influencing your condescending people thing sure well before we get to that i want to address what you're saying because I, 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 I feel like it's important to note when you say you've been good at controlling your emotions that there is a difference between controlling your emotions and not addressing your feelings. And I feel like maybe the second thing is the thing that happens which causes the emotions to flare up like they have been. Because being being under control and not, you know, uh, exploding on people or going through these huge mood swings, that's one thing. But I, but I do think there's a separate piece about not just, like, pushing everything down, you know? And I think that maybe, because I do this too, maybe sometimes you just push everything down and eventually it's going to boil over. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that was, like, there were certain issues I was doing that with. But on the whole, I felt like I just had a... I, I felt like I had the formula, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the formula to keep me even keeled. Um, and there were, I mean, I think, yeah, you know, you're, you're probably right. Just in, in general, I was probably just like pushing stuff down in a way and not dealing with a lot of, a lot of problems. Um, and those are probably influencing issues that I'm having now. So yeah, yeah, you're probably right. But it just sucks because yes. I, I thought, I thought I was doing really well. <laughs> sure. I, I 100% understand that. Uh, so I was at a marketing conference this past week for work. And um, I don't know. It's, it's one of those where I think I've talked about this before. But I feel like I'm a smart person. And I feel like I'm a generally capable person. There are times where... I have feel like I don't know what the hell I'm doing professionally. Like when I'm not so much like when I'm at work, but when I talk to other people that do similar things, I'm I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Like I didn't go to school for marketing. I've really only worked in the industry for like three years. And I feel like I've kind of gotten really fast at doing stuff, which I think is, is good, but it, I don't know. I feel like sometimes I, I'm going ahead of where my brain is capable of going. And so being at this marketing conference, it's a really awesome, awesome opportunity, obviously. But a lot of the folks that are there are like marketing leaders. So they're chief marketing officers and like VP of marketing or director of channel communication and like a bunch of 
fancy titles, and I'm not one of those. And a lot of these people, too, have, like, worked in marketing for 20 years. Like, there, there were plenty of people that were closer to my age, closer to the 30 years old age, I should say. But a lot of the people are, like, in their 40s, 50s. And so they, just, they know a lot more than me. And so there were times where I would be talking to people or going to a presentation and just hear all these acronyms and terminologies and ideas that I can't don't fully understand right now. And yeah. that just makes me feel like I don't know what I'm doing, which then makes me very insecure about talking to people. But building on that, I've had a couple uh, interviews that I've been doing because we're hiring a freelance blog writer that I kind of wanted to bring on long boring marketing reasoning behind this. But anyway, I've been doing interviews with writers and some of the people I'm finding, I don't know if it's the way that I ask questions or what it is, but I tend to get really condescending answers to questions. Like I'll be like, Hey, so we, you know, one of the the biggest reasons we want this blog writer position is so we can um, have uh, more content on our website because that's where we want to drive traffic. We want to drive organic traffic to the website, people to fill out demo requests, learn more about our company. We want to do that through high-ranking SEO stuff. So like when someone searches for a random problem that they have, this blog post will rank highly on Google. They'll click to us, read the post, find our val- content valuable, etc. It's kind of the strategy. And I'll be like, so when you're putting a post together, if I present you with an idea and I say, hey, we want it to be on this topic, here's a person you can interview, here's kind of the general outline of what we're looking for, how would you go about adapting SEO keywords for this? Because the keywords is what you use in a post to rank. Right. And they're like, well, and then they go on this whole thing explaining what SEO is to me. And I don't know, like maybe it's just that I don't think they're good and that's why they're you explaining it like this, but I feel like there's something in the back of my mind that like, why do they feel the need when I ask such a specific question about this? Why do they think they need to explain to me what SEO is? Like I'm asking them and I'm asking them in a more technical way than I'm even doing right now. Like I'm talking about long tail keywords and all this other shit and our SERP and all this kind of crap. And then they're like, well, so the basic with SEO, the whole thing is to rank organically. So you have paid ads where you can rank at the top. And I'm like, I fucking know. I know all of this. (laughs) And so that's just been frustrating dealing with condescending people, one, that don't know more than me that are being condescending. And two, people that definitely do know more than me, but are expressing it in a condescending way. And both are equally as frustrating. Yeah, I... Again, I'm not in the interviews with you, so I can't speak to this like personally, but I don't know that that's necessarily it's condescending on purpose. I think maybe they're sure. trying to maybe they're trying to just fill they're they're trying to prove that they know what you're talking about while also trying to think of how to answer the question you posed. It could that's be That's totally possible. Like buying time and proving their knowledge at the same time. Right. That could be part but of it. Reg- but also, regardless, like, you, sh- you shouldn't do that. Yes. <laughs> regardless of the intent, it's still condescending. Like, if you mm-hmm. mean it to be condescending or not, it still is. Yeah. And, I, and I don't mean to uh, be a hypocrite here. I know I can come across as being condescending a lot because I talk, I talk to Kelly about it. And it's certainly never intentional. It just comes across that way. And I think that a lot of it, not to throw anybody else under the bus that feels this way, but a lot of it comes from insecurities. Like you're mo- more prone to think someone is being condescending when you are unsure of what they're talking about. 
And that's where it has been for me, like going to this conference, not knowing a lot of these terms and then coming back from the con- conference and generally having that like depressive, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. I suck at everything sure. kind of feeling it makes me more prone to being like sensitive to people being condescending. So regardless, it's frustrating. I want to know everything about everything, and then it'll be fine. Like I, that's all it. That's all it is. I, t- I tell Kelly, I'm just like, I just want to know all of it. Just like I just want to know every single thing about this. Why is that so hard? That shouldn't be hard. Why can't I know everything? Why can't you but just can't. plug your brain into the internet and download everything? It's the worst. Like that, you'd think they would come up with a solution for this right now. Maybe the problem is that a lot of people don't want to know anything that blissful ignorance like a lot of people they're like no don't tell me about this because i don't want to know about it and i'm the opposite i'm like no i want to know i want to know more than you about everything that's what it is i don't want to know everything i just want to know more than everyone else about everything (laughs) oh man can you imagine how many blockchains you could mine if you hooked up a human brain (laughs) i mean compared to a computer so many bitcoins Is it bitcoins? Is that the plural, or are they, is it like amoeba oh, you're where right. it's just bitcoin? You're right. I think it's just bitcoin. That doesn't make sense. No, no other currency is like that, right? Like when we talk about money, we talk like I have a bunch of coins. They're yeah, but I, I would say that like all digital currency, like um, is referred to in the singular and the plural the same way. I think a lot of them are. Like I know, like okay, so for Warframe, when you have you have gold. You have like three hundred gold, not golds, or you have like four hundred sure. platinum, not platinums. Okay. I think a lot of digital currency is referred to singularly and plural as the same thing. But is the implication that your gold and your platinum are in a coin or other monetary format, or is it gold? Like I dug for gold. Do you understand the difference? Yes. Because if uh, well, it's because the latter. Like, well, okay, so, all right. So if you, like in Skyrim, mm-hmm. you have 10,000 gold, and that's what it but says. But they're gold, gold pieces. Right. They call them gold, but they're gold pieces. Right. It is still plural. Yeah, but you don't say golds. Right, but it's a short form of it. Yeah. It's like cash versus dollars. Like it means the same thing. But you like well, I guess it's not because you don't say I have a hundred cash. Right. It's a hundred dollars. Yeah, some people do, but they're weird mob <laughs> people. Yo, I got them hundred thousand cash. <laughs> <laughs> hey Tony, come over here. Give me a two hundred cash. <laughs> yeah. But I get my get. The reason I ask is because if they're thinking of just the mineral gold, like I have three hundred things of the mineral gold, then it's a resource. It's not a currency. And that's a difference. So, let me posit this. Bitcoin is not a currency, but is, in fact, a resource because you data mine for it. Wow. Wow. This is this is the real shit right here. I feel like you're being These very are the condescending questions. right now. You're mm-hmm. explaining this to me in a very condescending <laughs> way. Assuming I don't realize the connection you're going to make. <laughs> I went to a Bitcoin seminar, all right, and I learned all these new keywords. Right. Data yeah. packets, blockchain. Right up right up your blog post, man. <laughs> Get that organic traffic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> or OT for short. Actually, we refer to organic traffic as OT. Sure. Shay. You knew that, though. I'm just telling you. Right. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah. Uh, I don't know dick about Bitcoin. That is one thing I will admit that I'm like, I don't I don't care. I don't want to <laughs> know about because, But it's less that, like, I'm afraid to know because knowledge is scary. But more, I could give two fucks about digital currency like that. It's just stupid. The only reason I care about Bitcoin is because of what uh, Bitcoin mining did to the um, graphics card industry prices for a while there, yeah. which they have. They yeah. are now back to normal mostly. I think you can right. find a lot of like MSRP price cards now, which is yeah, because it was like whatever the top of the line ones a 1080, right? Still, yeah, and it was like a few thousand dollars for a 1080. Yeah. Yeah, as opposed to when like normally a few it's it, 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 right. It would be like six six hundred yeah. bucks ish. Right. Um, but yeah, I it was interesting because um, with some like Christmas money and the bonus that I got from my previous job that I still have never spent. Like I've been wanting to spend it on something, and so I was looking at potentially getting a PS4 Pro or maybe a PSVR or whatever else. And a lot of folks in the Giant Bomb Facebook group were saying, "Well, just get a PC, just upgrade your PC so you can play PC games." And there's a bunch of shit that comes along with that. Just yeah. about I don't enjoy the keyboard mouse. I don't know anything about computers, and it's embarrassing. And I wouldn't be able to know. Like I don't. I I would break something. But even if I wanted to, there's no way that I would have been able to afford a new graphics card because I'm not going to pay three grand for a graphics card. But now that they've come down to more reasonable reasonable prices. That excuse is gone. And now it's just back to, I don't get computers. <laughs> I just want to press the power button and then press the X button and then I play the video games. Oh, boy. Yeah, I know. Hey, I'm 30. I'm at that age now where oh I'm allowed God. to be set in my ways. Oh, my God. No, I, I am at that. This is that is the point. When you're in your late teens and through your 20s, you're expected to experiment and try new things and be open minded. But hitting 30, that's when I'm allowed to start the curmudgeonly period where I just have to go, no, I don't understand this thing. It scares me. Therefore, it is bad. Take it away. I know what I like and I will only ever do and try things that I like from now on. That's it. That's the end. You sound like me. I know. <laughs> Isn't it terrible to it's hear? It's awful to have that kind of stubborn <laughs> ridiculousness thrown back at me, Shay. <laughs> and you're not even 30. You don't even have that excuse. I have four more. You're four still in the more meat. years. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, speaking of video games, let's dive into it and talk about some. Uh, so, I guess I'll start. I haven't played or watched or read anything new since the last podcast nice job yeah i'm realizing as a podcast host that talks about the newest best video games movies television books and comics it is my responsibility to experience some of the newest and best video games movies television books and comics and i have failed all of you um my only excuse is that i was gone for a week for this conference and didn't have time and the week prior to that I just didn't feel like it, so I don't know. Suck it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like I, I've obviously I've still still playing God of War, still playing Bioshock. Um, I actually did bring my Switch with me to the to San Diego for the conference, and I mean, I get really terrible motion sickness, so I wasn't able to play it on the plane, which that is like 
every time I fly, it just reminds me of how awful having this motion sickness is. Because, I yeah. mean, I flew because I had a connection both ways. On the way back, my flight was delayed, so they had to put me on a different plane because the delay would have made me miss my connecting flight. So instead of flying from San Diego to Houston to Atlanta, I flew from San Diego to Chicago to Atlanta, which made both flights longer than they would have been. So, I mean, I was in the air for, I don't know, let's call it probably 18 hours. That sucks. Over the course of four days, going there and going back. So, yeah, it did suck. Because I can't do anything. All I can do is listen to a podcast and stare at the seat in front of me or sleep. That's all I can do on the plane. And so that's all I did, and it was miserable. But I did play a little bit of Mario Kart in the hotel room, more because I just wanted to justify having brought my Switch. Um, I don't know. That was fun. God of War is still fun. I killed Andrew Ryan in Bioshock, which is... That moment is still one of the coolest moments in video games. And I know I've mentioned this before. Uh, and I think I bring it up in my top 100 games of all time list on ShayHatesEverything.com. But uh, if there was one video game that I could forget playing and experience it all over again for the first time, it would easily be Bioshock. Just because of those three sequential moments that all happen over the course of like a half hour. Where you see all the would you kindly stuff on the wall and it makes you like... Something else is going on here, but it's hard to put the pieces together. Yeah. And then the Andrew Ryan confrontation where you kill him and it's so fucking brutal. And like you, as you're doing it, you realize that you're wrong for doing it. Right. And then when you go and you plug the thing in and you realize that Atlas is actually Fontaine. And he's a bad guy. and He's been manipulating you the whole time. That half hour sequence is just like mind explosion after mind explosion. And it's fantastic. Bowshock's a good video game. No arguments for um, me. So what have you been playing? Hopefully something. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like, because I was having those low periods, and when I, when that happens, I just can't motivate myself to do anything. So I had a lot of nights where I would sit in my chair and be like, I really want to play this, but I just can't play this, or I really want to watch this, but I just can't bring myself to watch it. Um, yeah. But I did manage to get some stuff in, so I played more Subsistence. It's that survival mm-hmm. game. Uh, they've added a couple small updates um this is like a big map expansion they did that i haven't explored yet and some more like options on fine-tuning the ai hunters that roam the worlds so you can like set them to oh they'll only attack my base if i attack them or they'll never attack my base or like they have a bunch of different settings for that stuff um which is good because it can be really really punishing because it takes forever to get all of the building materials together to build like a single piece of wall um Like, I could spend an entire day cycle in that game mining stuff and then refining the ore and doing, like, this is, like, a half-hour process of doing everything, and then I can make, like, one or two walls. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's a slow grind, and so when the AI hunters come and they attack your base and they destroy your shit, that's yeah. crushing. <laughs> yeah, I bet. That's absolutely crushing. <laughs> um, I got Beat Saber uh, on okay, sure, Oculus sure. Rift. Yeah. I think it's my new favorite VR experience. Um, So explain for the folks that don't know what this is, because this is something where, like, I'm not sure that it would have longevity for me, but this is is one of those experiences that VR makes it worthwhile for me. Right. Um, Because, like, so I'm a huge Guitar Hero rhythm game fan. I loved Rock Band, all the instruments, even singing sometimes. 
Um, so I, I love rhythm games in every form because it's just you get to listen to familiar songs and do and feel like you're doing something. Um, yeah. And like being a part of the, the, the experience. So this is a rhythm game um, and it has a really great look. Um, I would say it, it's better than a lot of other VR rhythm games because you have a lightsaber essentially in each hand yeah. and these blocks come towards you and they have arrows on them and you have to swipe through the block as it comes towards you um, in the direction the arrow indicates. Uh, mm-hmm. And so uh, some like there's um, like, oh God, what is it? Audio shield or something where like you're holding your arm up and like trying to intersect like lines of like light during a song there's an audio shield that's that's okay. a rhythm game and there's another one that's like it's like boxing like you're punching the stuff mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. um you never really get a full extension because you're doing it to a beat so like sometimes it's like quick snaps and stuff yeah and that's hard on your elbows after a while um and sometimes on your wrists and stuff and so this is swiping so it's a full range of movement most of the time which is it just feels easier on the joints than a lot of those other Mm. rhythm games do in vr um and it's also really good like it's a full body workout like there are blocks and (laughs) stuff that you have to like move your head to avoid okay like duck under while you're swiping stuff um so there's a lot of movement involved um so it is is a pretty i'm sweating by the end of each session even if it's just like a half hour i'm sweating the longest session i've done is an hour and a half and I was drenched by the end of yeah, that. Yeah, it seems like a long time. Yeah. Even um, just to be in VR. It Well, yeah, that's a long time to be in VR, period. But this one, it's really comfortable because you're just standing there and they're coming at you. Sure. So there's no real yeah. movement um, through the space. Um, are, there only, are there only the four directions, like left, right, and up and down? No. So uh, there's all eight. So it's like up, oh, down, so left, right, and the, and the diagonals. And then there that are some that difficult. just have a circle where you can hit them in any direction. Um, I, okay. I've seen like some people thinking you're supposed to stab them, and stab while that it. would yeah. work, you can just those ones with the circles without the arrows, you can hit in any direction. Um, they're like little mm-hmm. bombs that will are kind of hard to see that will like disguise themselves behind blocks. So you have to like be watching for those so you don't hit those. It'll mess up your combo and like take a chunk off your life bar. Um, hmm. Yeah, it's it's got a lot going on. It's early access right now, and there's only ten songs. And they're not licensed mm-hmm. songs. They're like original songs made by artists that the uh, game designer knows or something. Um, but they're all like very EDM style. Sure. It's very like electronic. Uh, like there's there's drops and stuff. Um, but I actually I kind of I didn't think I would, but I do kind of like it. And then I've seen like there are a bunch of videos and stuff of people already having made custom songs. Um, right. I'm not sure how they did that. Um, because there's no song editor right now, but that's like the first thing they're going to add in a, an update that's supposed to be coming soon is mm-hmm. uh, a song editor. Now, I personally, I think like the game's going to live or die by how that comes together and how you can access what other people create, like their right. tracks and stuff. And so hopefully that's surfaced in a user-friendly way because I would love to keep playing this game. I think it's amazing. Uh, and it feels really good once you get a good rhythm going and, and you um, – like sometimes during certain songs, like they'll – because typically on the right – because 
everything you swipe with your right hand, the blue saber, the blocks are blue. Everything with your left hand, the red saber, the blocks are red. So, like, sometimes they're typically on right and left, respectively. Sometimes you'll have to, like, cross over and stuff. And then on the higher difficulties, as blocks materialize, they'll rearrange in, like, a different... (laughs) configuration so it'll it's usually for doubles like if you have to swipe two at the same time they'll Uh come in like oh red on the left blue on the right swipe up and then like they come in that way and then when they like hit the track thing um and they're about to come towards you they like twist and rearrange and go a different direction and so like you have to really stay on your toes um but yeah i don't know it's it's a really cool game and i hope they continue to support it because there's there's something there that the other rhythm games in VR haven't had quite yet. Um, the stuff that I've seen looks really cool. And I mean, partially just because it feels like you're wielding a lightsaber, which yeah. makes it more exciting. But yeah. Yeah. And it has like, it seems like cool. it's really satisfying. Like there's a little vibration every time you cut through something. Mm-hmm. And when you cut through it, where you cut through it is how it like explodes and like goes right. off to the, the pieces fly off. Um, you're like standing on this weird black mirror surface and you can like swipe your blades into it and they leave like little heat scars across the glass yeah. thing it's just got a really cool look um are the um are the beats the same every time you play the same song or yeah are they, are they different okay. yeah they're the same so you can they have you can four memorize difficulties. the song yeah yeah there's a, a okay. there's easy normal hard and expert uh cool. for every song so that's been really cool um i ha- it's been on my wish list for a while on steam but battle chasers night war which sounds like the most like stupid generic name yeah. of a game. Like, <laughs> it sounds like a mobile just, game. Yeah, they literally put two words together twice and made the name mm-hmm. for the game. Um, it's a turn-based RPG. Uh, it has really, really cool art style. Um, I would say the UI in battle is not very good. Uh, it doesn't align itself with the art style very well, but it's, it's utilitarian. It, it, it does the job. Um, it's extremely hard because I have not found a way to grind yet. And I've played for about three or four hours. So, like, there are encounters. So, you move through the overworld, like, point to point along a path. And so far, I've not found any fast travel, which is a little frustrating. But there's also each encounter that you come across, it doesn't repeat. Mm-hmm. And so, like, they're one-time battles. And for a game where you're earning experience and leveling up, it just does it doesn't seem like I'm well prepared, like I'm always like skid of my teeth kind of thing. Um and like I'm always wondering if I'm missing something to the side that could give me some extra XP or some gear that I need. Um Yeah, so I've not found a good way to grind yet. Um I haven't lost a fight yet, but it's been really close a few times. Okay. Um it's pretty tough just because there are like difficulty spikes. Like I was in a dungeon and some of the like most of the enemies were pretty easy to beat and there there's like this whole um like the enemies roam around so in the overworld the fights are like on points that you walk through and you can see them ahead of time. In dungeons the enemies roam around the space and you move around in in like normal real-time 3D movement. Mm-hmm. Um and so if you trigger an enemy when it's close to another enemy, it'll chain that, and then you'll have to fight those at the same time. So it's, it kind of becomes like a little game of, can I like bait this one away and like kite it away okay. a little bit so I can just fight that one at a time and then go through an area that way? Um, 
So there's a little, there's some tactics there in, in terms of the outside of the battle, like setting stuff up. And they have like abilities where you can stun enemies beforehand and then go into the battle. Sort of like Xenosaga, how you could blow up the uh, barrels and then yeah, the status effects would them, carry right? over. Yeah, this right. is like you have abilities that you can use a certain number of times before you have to like go stay at an inn to recharge them that do similar things um, outside of battle. Um, but yeah, I, I it's it's got great art, but I, just the random difficulty spikes have me worried that like at any point I'm going to run into something that's too hard, and then I don't know how mm-hmm. to fix that because there aren't <laughs> random encounters. Like I can't. Yeah, grind. you can't go back to level up, right? Right. So I'm a little worried about that. Um, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe something will surface. There's an arena, and so maybe that's a way to grind, but it hasn't opened up for me yet. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of hoping that does, and then that'll be a way for me to like grind out some levels with characters. Um, my fiance and I beat a way out together. Okay. Um, I will say that we had a lot of fun messing around with like all the little mini games that are, uh, sprinkled throughout the, uh, throughout the, uh, game, like, like playing darts, hitting baseballs, like ba- right. playing basketball, a shooting mini game and stuff. Those were fun to like mess around with and try and beat each other's score. Um, the voice acting subpar the writing was bad almost the entire time yeah I've and heard that. the ending of the game forces a choice between the two characters that was not justified and just left us really frustrated with the direction that it yeah, went in i've also heard that and i think i know what the ending is we don't need to talk about it online right. just in case other people are trying to play it but uh assuming i'm right about what that choice is it does sound lame yeah and if it's unjustified like that, I could see how that would be very fr- like, I get why they would do that because they they would, they thought that like, Oh, this is a cool way to work in this co-op game. Right. But if they're not justifying it from a story perspective, it, that seems shitty. Yeah. And it, it didn't feel that way. Like it, it felt, um, and I don't like, cause there are choices you make throughout the game. And so maybe some of this stuff is, is a little different for other people, but, at the end, it was it felt very clearly in favor of one character over another okay. character, um, in terms of like their motivations and what they want. It felt very heavily in favor of justification for one character and did not at all properly justify the other character's motivations. Mm-hmm. So, I was like, "This fucking that that sucks." She, she and <laughs> yeah, I were she and I were frustrated at the end of it. We're like, "Well." Putting that on the shelf and probably not touching it ever again. So let me ask this because I still want to see this game. Is it something that Kelly could play, or is it too gameplay intensive? No, I bet she could play it. You think so? It's okay. li- it's literally it's a lot of just walking around and hitting a button at the right time or mashing okay. buttons. It, gameplay is very minimal. There's like yeah. there's a long shootout section um, at a certain point, um, and there are. Let's see. There are a couple, like, driving sequences and stuff. Uh, I think each character gets a chance to drive, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those parts can be hard and could probably be frustrating. But uh, the majority of the game is literally just, like, walk around here and then, like, say, oh, do this when I say. Yeah. That's, like, it. Maybe sometime in the next couple of months, if it goes on sale, I might try to pick it up. Because... 
even if the even if the, like the story is kind of bad and the voice acting is bad, it it being a co op game and if it is something that she can play because like we have a great time whenever we play Minecraft together and there aren't very many other games that she feels comfortable playing and even on Minecraft she's kind of terrible because she has trouble moving both analog sticks at the same time. Right. Um, and it's just one of those things where like we don't even think about it because we've been playing video games for twenty years. Right. But she doesn't play games and so it's like a foreign kind of way of thinking. But uh, she loves watching me play more story-focused games like Gone Home and uh, Life is Strange. Games like that where it's more about the story and there's not as much gameplay that she has to watch. She really likes those. So I feel like this might be a cool thing to try. So yeah, we'll see. Uh, yeah, I think for her it might be fun. In my opinion, the gameplay gets in the way of the story most of the time because it's like a lot of busy yeah. work. But for her, yeah. since it's something she could probably do... She might yeah. enjoy just the fact that she's able to accomplish those things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Might check it out. Yeah, and then I just played more Skyrim on Switch. Um, and I, oh, I bought State of Decay two. I okay. have not played it yet. It is downloaded and installed, and I think I'm gonna play it right after the podcast. Speaking of buying games, this probably doesn't affect you because I'm sure you own it already. But there's this flash sale on PlayStation Network, and Resident Evil Four is on sale for like seven dollars. Oh, I have already owned Resident Evil 4 on PS4. Physically. On PS4? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. I figured you did, but I thought I'd let you know because it's one of your life goals, apparently, to own <laughs> Resident <laughs> Evil 4 on every console ever made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I still. Oh, oh shoot. Kara has a Wii. Oh, we do have a Wii. I should get the Resident Evil 4 on Wii. That's a fun totally ver- That's should. a fun version. The aiming's actually not. Oh that no, bad. that makes it so much worse to have to hold the Wii mode up. I remember watching you play that, and look, that looked like a chore. Nah, but the aiming's actually not that bad. All right, all right. I don't remember if that game was Motion Plus compatible or not. It might have been before Motion Plus. I don't remember. <sighs> the Wii, what a weird thing. The Wii is a bad way to play most video games. <laughs> it's a cool system. Don't get me wrong, but man, the Wii modes suck. System has great music. Just having to do that sucks. There's um, I, I don't know like what he posts on, but I see him on Facebook a lot. There's a guy who does, um, Nintendo. Uh, what? Oh, what was it? We Sports Resort, like all the songs mm-hmm. and stuff. He mm-hmm. makes those that style of music. Like, is it ska? Is that kind of ska? No. No. I don't know what it's Scott like, is. I mean, it's like pop, pop music, but with, I mean, it's like ambient pop music, but with instruments, like with okay. horned instruments. Okay. Pop, ska is punk rock plus saxophones and trombones and shit. Oh. That's all ska is. I didn't fucking know that. All right. Yeah. Um. Well, so he does music in that style and he'll just do like, um, uh, he, he makes up music for different things basically that are in that style and as he because he he'll mix it and then he has a video of himself listening to it and every mm-hmm. time there's like a note he does like a little like head bob <laughs> eyebrow yeah. up turn head a little bit and they're just like very entertaining things to watch i don't know they're fun mm-hmm. little videos and they're always like really cool little mixes too and they, right. they sound like they're straight out of one of those games that's fun yeah so, anything else? Uh, I mean, not game-wise. Yeah. 
um, my television list is also not particularly exciting because I've been watching Seinfeld and Parks and Recreation. <laughs> no, I did finish. We finished Seinfeld. Um, or sorry, we finished Parks and Rec, I should say. And that finale. Have you seen Parks and Rec? I'm sure I've no. asked you this a million times. The finale, it's one of those where, like, it is so insanely cheesy. Like, everyone achieves their wildest dream. And it's just, like, it, it's unbelievable. But those characters are so lovable that you don't care. Because they deserve it. They all deserve to be everything they want. And so it's, <laughs> like, it's really lame and corny. But it totally works for the show. Uh, so we always have a good good cry whenever we finish Parks and Rec. But we started up New Girl because the series finale just aired. And so Kelly's been watching that um, like on Hulu or whatever when they upload it. And I liked the first two seasons of the show. And then season three I liked a lot less. Season four I liked less. Season five I liked way less. And then I quit. And there is a season six and a season seven. And so I agreed to watch it through again. So I'm going to watch New Girl with her. And we watched the first couple episodes, and, like, I'm into it because the first episodes are good. But I'm afraid of where things are going to go because it just gets not funny. I don't know. I just can't stand Zoe Duchanel. Duchanel. <laughs> Clever. Thing. I like her. I think she's charming. Uh. It, it, you could tell a little bit of an a little bit of is, is a little bit of it is an act that she puts on, but it works for me. She's cute. She's harmless. Well, for me, it's more the other characters. I really like Schmidt, the, like, douchey guy. I really like Winston, who's the weirdo black friend. And I really like uh, Nick. Jake Johnson is the actor who's, like, the curmudgeonly, the Shay character. Okay, <laughs> so Winston the black guy, does he have a cat? Yes. Okay. So it's a new girl. All right. When uh, we, we were playing our Cthulhu D&D campaign thing. Um, mm-hmm. A little while ago, one of my friends, he, they kept making references to the show that supposedly his character was on. Um, and I didn't get any of them because I guess they were New Girl references, but he played okay. as Winston from New Girl. Ah, with his, okay. with his cat. That's fun. Yeah. He, it's, Winston is a great character. He's amazing. I'm trying to find an, an office analog for him. There really isn't one, but he's one of those characters that like... He's the one that everybody loves because he's just adorable and weird as shit. He's amazing. But anyway, um, yeah, I've just been watching that stuff. It's the same stuff. And then I did, when I was in San Diego, being antisocial and not wanting to go out into the world and having to meet people, in the evenings, the NBA final, the conference finals are on right now, the NBA playoffs. And so I watched some of the NBA playoffs. I haven't watched basketball in years and years. I was a big basketball fan as a kid when Michael Jordan and Reggie Miller were playing because I was a big Bulls fan, big Pacers fan. And then when they retired, I was just like, you know what? I hate all of the personalities that play basketball now. They're a bunch of prima donna assholes, so I don't want to root for anyone. And just like the way the game was played changed where it became so much more big play offensively minded where everyone just shoots threes all the time. And the officiating became very inconsistent. Like, traveling doesn't exist in basketball anymore. No one travels. No one double dribbles. And the game's so physical that they could call a foul on literally every play. And so it's like a coin flip whether or not they're call a foul or not. And it just seems inconsistent. And 
I don't know. It's it's an it's an annoying sport to watch for me. But I was bored, so I wanted to watch these anyway. So I bring this up because I think it'd be a fun experiment. There are four teams left, depending on when you're listening to this, I guess. Four teams left in the NBA playoffs. The Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. In the Eastern Conference, it's the Cavaliers versus the Celtics. I want to know, without looking it up, can you guess where the Cavaliers and the Celtics are from? It's the Eastern Conference. I'll give you that much as a hint. So if you split the country down the, down the middle, these would be taking in the eastern in the eastern side. So Cavaliers, uh huh, Boston. No, the Boston Cavaliers is not correct. <laughs> All right, Celtics. Does it help? Does it help if I say LeBron James plays for the Cavaliers? Nope. Oh, do you know who LeBron James is? Uh, a tall black guy. Wow. I'm honestly surprised you don't know who that is. Even as someone who doesn't care about sports, I'm surprised you don't know who that is. I mean, if I he's like, if I saw he's, a he's, picture he's of a the tall modern... black guy who plays basketball, I'd be like, is that LeBron? <laughs> he's the modern day Michael Jordan. There was Michael Jordan, and then there was Kobe Bryant, and now there's LeBron James. He's like the dude. Okay. And I'm especially surprised. You want me to go ahead and tell you where the Cavaliers are from? No. Um, all right, I'm, okay. I'm going to guess Celtics. All right. Boston. Yes. <laughs> oh, seriously? I was yes. I was gonna oh, laugh. I was that you guessed. Oh man! I was gonna Boston. Do, I was gonna say Boston for all four because the odds are the odds increase Somewhere, each time. That is not a great. That is not a terrible strategy. That's not a bad strategy. But yes, the Boston Celtics. Yes, they are in fact from Boston. Hell yeah! yeah. So what about the Cavaliers then? Give me give me another guess and then I'll I'll tell you. Oh. Okay. This is one that you should know. Not because you care about sports, which you don't, but just you'll it'll make sense once you once you find out if you don't guess it. Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. So Boston Celtics versus the, the <laughs> 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 Honestly, hard pressed to think of another city in the East. <laughs> Well, Half think about it. It, it's, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be the East Coast. Right. There are only two conferences, East and West. So if you cut the country in half, this would be the Eastern half. So it's anywhere in that Eastern half. It could be. The. <laughs> are they like typically from capital cities of states? No, I mean big cities, big not cities? capital cities. Yeah, ca- big cities. Shoot, man, the uh, uh, just tell mm-hmm. me, just tell me. Cleveland. Okay. Cleveland Cavaliers. All right. That's why you should know this one because it's from Ohio. Why should I? Where yeah, you've lived I should just for know the past how many years. I should just know everything about sports in Ohio. No, that's not what it is. But you know who Ohio State is. You know who the Browns are, right? Oh, the Cleveland Browns? I do not. Oh, Cleveland, Ohio Browns. Okay. You. Oh, my God. I got Ohio I State Buckeyes. Know. People say Buckeyes a lot. I don't even know. And they're a good snack. <laughs> I'm actually not a fan, but it's probably because I don't like nuts. But, yes, the Cleveland Cavaliers versus the Boston Celtics. So, now we got the Western Coast. Or, I should say, the Western Conference Finals, which are the Warriors... Versus the Rockets. 
So where do you think the Warriors are from? This one's a little more difficult. Mm. Just tell me what state. Let's make it a little easier for you. What state do you think the Warriors and the Rockets are from? Warriors, Idaho. No. Do you think Idaho is going to have a basketball team, a professional basketball team? Idaho. They got potatoes. There are like 600 people that live in that state. (laughs) One of them could be tall. There is no Idaho basketball team. There's no North Dakota basketball team or South Dakota basketball team. There's no Arkansas basketball team. We're talking about big, populist states. Washington? No, that is not a bad guess. Uh, Warriors. Uh... Not all teams use alliteration. So it doesn't well, no, it's, it's with the Warriors. state, anyways, or the Wisconsin Warriors. <laughs> um, I'm gonna get all right. Rockets, Arizona. No, but that's close. Shoot. Nevada. No. Texas. Yes. All right. They are the Houston Houston Rockets. Rockets. Yes. Houston, we have a I'm problem. Surprised. We're in space. Rockets. Got it. I'm surprised you got because I wouldn't associate Rockets with Texas. Wild. Do they guess. shoot? Is that where the Wild space station guess. is? I have no idea. Is that idea. where, like, they... No, it's in Florida. They launched shit from Florida. Closer to the equator. Yes, Houston Rockets and the Warriors. California? Yes. They are the Golden State Warriors. So I think they technically play in L.A., but they're called the Golden State California, Golden State Warriors. Okay. Hey, so you got... I mean, that was... You eventually got there for three of them. That's better than I thought you were going to do. <laughs> I got to say, Boston Celtics, wild yeah. guess. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Come back next episode where Kyle tries to name all of the rest of the NBA teams. <laughs> <laughs> how, long, how long can we make this podcast? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what about you? What else have you been watching? All right. So uh, you have bad taste in television, um, but so do I. I didn't say that but- I enjoyed it. You said no. Yeah, you said you liked the first several seasons of New Girl. Oh yes, New Girl. Fine. New Girls. It's a decent show. It's not amazing, but it's decent. Basketball. That was stupid. That was because I was bored. Basketball is terrible. All right. New- I don't understand people that watch professional basketball. All right. So New Girl's trash. So I, what mm-hmm. I'm saying is the show that I'm watching that's total trash. I'm more self-aware about how bad the shows I'm watching are. Um, And this show is entitled The New Legend of Monkey. Um, And it's a. That sounds like a show I want to (laughs) watch. It's super. Is the main character a monkey? No, but. Okay, well, then I hate it. I know, I know. I I was excited at first, and I have not seen a monkey yet. Uh, I'm most of the way through the season. Um, It's a really terrible Australian show. Um, All right, I'm back in. It's like it's about uh, the monkey who is essentially like a demigod or a god, and he was like the guardian of this pantheon of gods, and then he got blamed for killing his sensei, and so the gods locked him away in stone. And there's this chick who resurrects him because there's demons that rule the world. Um, mm-hmm. The whole show, like the shots are weird. Like, people's accents are all over the place because some of them are like, are, yeah, okay, they're Australian. And the other people are super not Australian. Um, so accents are all over the place. 
I'll say the costuming is really good and like their location shots are good. Um, but a lot of the writing's very bad. The humor, mm-hmm. it's not funny at all. It's really mm-hmm. stupid and dumb. Um, but some of the fighting stuff is fun in like a campy kind of way. Um, and the main guy who plays Monkey, he's he's so bad. He's so See, bad. See, that's where you lose me. He's this pantheonic god monkey, protector of the other gods, who is encased in stone and resurrected into a dude. Well, no, he was always a dude. He was never a monkey. That's just his name. Just his name is Monkey. His name's Monkey. This show is this is a bad show. Yeah. Why would you well, name he's, no? He was he like they call him Monkey, but his original title was The Monkey King. But he ain't a monkey, bro. I, Have you seen hey, Jungle Book? The Monkey King, he's he's got he's scatting, he's bebopping, scatting all over his face. He's an orangutan, Shay. He's not a monkey. So is the monkey. What? Orangutans are monkeys. No, 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 no. Yes, no. they are. Orangutans are a form of ape. They're still primates. Okay. All right. Are we talking genus phylum? What, phylum. what are we going? We're, t- we're, t- we're talking phylum. All right. If we're talking phylum. <laughs> all right. I'm with you on the phylum. <laughs> right, of course. I don't remember genus and phylum. I hope that's Neither the right one. I know I know the names. I don't I know I don't know what, what they mean. I don't know either. <laughs> um, I think isn't it isn't it kingdom, phylum, kingdom, phylum, genus, species? Millie, micro, there, nano, four? pico, femto, phylum, kingdom. I'm just, Those are made up. No, Those first ones actually, are not words. No, milli, micro, nano, pico, femto are um, Pokemon. <laughs> they may as well be. They're uh, engineering notation um, third powers. So negative three, negative six, negative nine, negative twelve, negative fifteen to the power of. And then there's um, uh, kilo, mega, giga, tera are the three, six, nine, twelve for positive powers. Is this is what it sounded like when I was talking about marketing earlier? Yep. Wah, wah, okay. wah, 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 <laughs> um, But yeah, anyways, New Legend of Monkey, bad show. But like, if you're having a low swing like I was, it <laughs> it's about on par with my mood when I was watching it. I was like, I am bad, therefore I deserve to watch this show. <laughs> um, Classic. No, there, are, there, are, there are enjoyable moments. And like, the, the costuming is really fun and it has like a really vibrant look to it. Um, so is it futuristic? No, no. It's, so it's, it's like, like modern it's like times, feudal. but demons rule the world. No, it's like feudal monks and what? Like, like fantasy stuff going on with demons. It's yeah. So are there a lot of like bad special effects and stuff. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't honestly. I wouldn't say the special effects are that terrible. Like sci-fi quality. Yeah. Where are you watching this? Netflix. Oh boy! Yep. Uh, now I have to watch it. At least the first episode. And uh, like I got, mm, I kind of want to know now: is there an old Legend of Monkey? Because I don't know. <laughs> right. I don't know. <laughs> I kind of want to find out. That's the prequel. Right. They'll put that out in a couple of years. It's the spinoff. The Monkey Prince. Right. <laughs> the, the, no, the monkey <laughs> formerly known as Prince. <laughs> 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 I still think if you're going to put monkey in the title of a show and you don't have a monkey on the show, you shouldn't have made that show. I haven't seen one yet. That's how I feel. Maybe there's a, that's a big reveal. 
He sprouts a tail. Um, and then I watched a movie with mm-hmm. my fiance titled Bad Lieutenant Port Call, oh, Port of Call, New Orleans with uh, one name. Nicolas Cage. Well, because there's right. already a Bad Lieutenant movie. So they had ah. to make another one, I guess. That's loose. So it's a sequel. No, it's loosely tied, but not a sequel and not really a reimagining. They just kind of were like, "Hey, I guess we have to use this name." I don't know why. Um, but it is related somehow. May- kind of. I-, I think it it follows the same character, and some of the events are the same, but tonally, it's completely different. And some like, but Nick, was Nick Cage with Nick Cage the original Bad Lieutenant? No. Okay, but it's the same. What? It's the same character, but a different actor in a different place. Yeah, with some different. Events, I'm so confused. And like a totally different tone. This sounds worse than the new Legend of Monkey. <laughs> <laughs> it, Just in concept, as it turns out, it was. Uh, yeah, it was pretty bad. The acting wasn't that bad, oddly enough. But um, like the cinematography, the shot composition, complete shit. A lot of sequences were really weird and, like, did not fit the tone um, mm-hmm. that the rest of the movie was going for. Um, like, the ending, because it's all this awful shit and these terrible decisions that this guy is making. And then at the end, it's just like, everything's great. He got what he wanted. And, and it, it, it builds it up in such a way that it's like, oh, yeah, he really deserves this. Like, no, this dude's right. a fucking maniac. <laughs> this guy's messed up, man. Um, but no, it's all okay. Uh, it's like, so the main character, he's, he's impossible to root for. He keeps making these terrible decisions. Um, but then they, they try to like make him out as a hero or something at the end. Um, mm-hmm. and it's not trying to be like farcical or anything. It's like, mm-hmm. it feels very much like they genuinely want to have earned this moment. And it did not at all. That's too bad. Yep. Yep. Those are some bad things. Mm-hmm. What is what would you recommend watching more than Legend of New, New Legend of Monkey or Bad Lieutenant Port of Call New Orleans, which seriously sounds just like a made up <laughs> random jumble of words? I would say the New Legend of Monkey. Yeah, because there's I, some the, like there's also, there's fun a certain, value there. Yeah, there's a certain charm to like mm-hmm. I can tell like these people really loved making this thing. And they're having yeah. a good time, and they think it's yeah. really good. There's a certain charm to that. Okay. Um, Bad Lieutenant is just like the director sucked, and whoever edited it was a monster. Right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we might as well jump into some news because there is so much. Oh my god! I did not anticipate there being this much news when we're just like a matter of weeks out of E3, but. So I guess the best place to start is there was a an online leak on Walmart.com of games that you could pre-order. And none of them had, like, actual art or even 100% accurate names, presumably. Right. But they, they were, like, placeholders that I'm sure were not supposed to be live, but were made live. And so the full list of these games are... Well, and it was, it was Walmart Canada, specifically. Yes, that leaked So it. now Giant right. Bomb's own Dan Reichert has started a Canadian Walmart Twitter, and they're right. tweeting some very funny things. Go check it out. So anyways, <laughs> let's yes. go ahead and give them the list. So part of, what, part of what was crazy about this is... 
I mean, there are a lot of things that makes this crazy, which we'll get into. But when it initially leaked, part of what made it crazy was some of these are things we already know are going to be announced at E3, so they make sense. And then some of them make sense, like, oh, yeah, I could see this happening. And then there were others that were like, wait, what? Well, no, I don't see this happening at all. Right. And so it was, like, hard to believe or not. So here, oh, so here's the full list, and then we'll talk about it. The Division 2, which we already knew existed. Right. Splinter Cell, which has been rumored to be coming, which I know I've, I think 100%, even before this, I thought would be announced. Yeah. Ins- Insurgency Sandstorm, which I still I still don't even know what that video so game is. So Insurgency is on Steam, and it's a multiplayer-only military shooter. Okay, so presumably this is a sequel to that. Yeah. The Last of Us 2, which obviously we know is coming. Yes. Just Cause 4, which makes sense that they would make one, but was surprising that it would be this soon after Just Cause 3. Well, it doesn't make sense they would make one, because Just Cause 3 did not do well at all. Yeah, and it wasn't that great. But when you come to those like mid-tier publishers, they're going to hang on to their popular properties. So I think theoretically it makes sense for them to make a Just Cause 4. Yeah, I guess. It was just a long time between 2 and 3. Yeah, two, or 3 came out in like 2014, 2013 maybe? Or was it 2015? You mean No, you mean yeah, two? it was just like a couple of years ago. So 2 came no, out just in cause... like 2010, 2011? Right. And then 3 and then just came out three. like last year. Was it last year? It was either end of 2016 or early 2017. It had to be 2016. But yes, that is very recently still for uh, them to be announcing Just Cause 4. Oh, Cost shoot, you're right. It was end of 2015. Ha! Wow. So that makes a little more sense why they would be announcing it okay, here. Yeah, it the does. 29 release, whatever. Huh. So, wow. Time then flies. there's Destiny Destiny Comet, which Comet has been the working title of a lot of like the Destiny uh, expansions. So this, I guess, is would be one of those if like they have a big expansion in the fall, whatever it is. Final Fantasy VII Remake, which obviously we know is happening. Well, I should say, we know they're working on it. <laughs> we don't know that it's actually going to happen. Right. Walmart seems Metroid to Prime. So. Yeah, Metroid Prime 4, I guess, which was announced last year for Nintendo. Beyond Good and Evil 2, which was announced last year. Rage 2, which this was one where everybody was like, okay, well, this (laughs) makes me think this list is fake. Why in the hell would they make a sequel to a game that came out? When the fuck did Rage come out? Like 2010? Like this game came out so long ago. And people don't look back on it all that fondly. I think people have come around a little bit. Like, I liked the game, and I know you liked it too. Yeah. But it certainly wasn't an amazing game. And it, like, was this huge cliffhanger, random ending. It, it was a weird game. Yeah. And why – no one's asking for a sequel. Why would they make it? Yeah, this? Rage came out in November of 2010. It came out yes. a year before Skyrim, if that yes. makes you feel old. Right. It makes me feel old. <laughs> right. So Rage 2, that was one where people were like, I don't believe this list. But Assassin's Creed is also on it, which is only curious because with Origins, they moved to a two-year release cycle, not a one-year release cycle. And I think that that positively impacted the quality of Assassin's Creed Origins. So maybe they would announce it this year with it coming out fall of next year. I don't know. But there's obviously – and there's no subtitle. It just says Assassin's Creed. NBA 2K19 and WWE 2K19, which both make sense because they do those every year. Dragon Quest 2, which could either be a remake of the first Dragon Quest or Dragon Quest Builders 2. That makes the most uh, which sense. makes sense, too. Super Smash Brothers announced last year. We know it's coming this year. 
Borderlands 3, which we know is happening. We don't know when. Lego's DC Villains, which I believe was a new announcement. But again, this makes sense. Traveler's Tales puts out like six Lego games a year. (laughs) And so, yeah, why not? DC Villains sure makes sense. Dreams, the Media Molecule Sony game. Uh, Forza Horizon 5, which makes sense. Gears 5, which makes sense. Well, hold on. I think it it says Forza, Forza Horizon 5, but there is no Forza Horizon 4. Sure, fine. I, 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 I remember seeing game. that. Like someone was like, eh, "There's no four. I think that was okay. like another reason why people were like, "Oh, this is fake." Yeah, this is fake. Okay. Um, so yeah, and and then obviously Gears Five, which definitely we know is going to happen. We just don't know if it's this year, or next year, or what. Right. So, n- n- like, there were only a couple of games on here where it was like, "This doesn't make sense at all." I don't believe this. So there was a sense of validity to it. Well, then Bethesda came out and made a joke about the Rage Two announcement. Which is probably, I would say, of that list, easily the most outlandish game. The most unexpected one to be on this For list. For sure. Bethesda came out and like made fun of this and like did some little teaser stuff of like... They reposted the little Rage 2 with key art, which is basically just like uh, a fake video game box with a black screen with Rage 2 written across it in whatever Times New Roman font. And they like circled it and were like, oh, this isn't the font we use. It needs this ink here. They were just like making fun of the post. And then the Rage Twitter account started posting other stuff, like little teaser things, random stuff. Um, A lot of like real life things with anarchy symbols and like this pink splashes. And they posted one, like I think it was last week when this happened, that they posted one of Big Big Ben in London with the clock was at 514. And so everybody was like, okay, keep your eyes out. May 14th, something might happen. And sure enough, Rage 2 is real, and I'm sure would have been announced at E3, but has now been announced, and they announced it on May 14th. So they put out uh, kind of like a style trailer, which is mostly live action with a lot of um, neon colors. It reminds me a lot of Nuka World from Fallout 4, kind of the vibe of it. Very aggressive and kind of comical, over-the-top Mad Max style. It makes me think of the latest Mad Max movie. Right. But it it takes itself less seriously, though. Sure, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that, and there's like really aggressive rock music. And honestly, I watched that trailer, and it didn't do anything for me. I was kind of turned off by the aesthetic of it. Like, it felt like it was like leaning into Borderlands, kind of. That's what a lot of people were saying, feel, yeah. But not in a good way. I don't know. I did not like that trailer. And they also put out a gameplay trailer, which is a, it was a little bit more serious up front where it's establishing kind of the world. And then it kind of breaks into all the crazy shit that's happening with the same music. But it's gameplay. Like you're there's some kind of thing that makes you jetpack in the air and all the big guns and explosions and all the, you know, the boomerang, all that kind of shit. And that was like, all right, this looks rad. Yeah. And they also announced that this will be an open world game or at least like a kind of open world game. Like the first, first person shooter. Yeah, but the first one felt more... There wasn't anything to do in the open world. Right. It was this big open space where there were like eight points. And you go to the eight points, and then it's a linear level. And then when you leave the linear level, then you're back in the open world with nothing to do. Right, right. So hopefully this is a little more fleshed out open world, where there might be like side quests and discoverability and stuff out there. Um Hopefully. But there's still, like, the dune buggy race car thing is still there. It looked like they showed some multiplayer racing, which that was the multiplayer mode from the first game, which I didn't love, but there was some potential there. Um, so, I don't know. that it, it, 
It certainly could could be cool. I would say I'm at the point where I need to see more of Rage 2 before I would get excited about it. Right. Just because there seemed to be taking this in a somewhat different direction than the first game, tonally at least. I don't so think I don't so. Know. I think that's all I think that's all a marketing move. That's possible. Uh, because all the actual gameplay stuff they've shown is a lot more toned down and more like the first Rage. But it's it's just right. it's all the live action stuff that's like the oh the rad the pink hair the flipping off mm-hmm. with shotgun shells like mm-hmm. that's all the live action stuff all the actual gameplay that we've seen uh, the in engine things like that that all looks very similar to the first rage so I don't know that it's going to yeah. necessarily be that drastic of a departure tonally yeah because um, the first rage was. It wasn't really sure what it wanted to be. It had some of that goofiness to it, but it was also... It had kind of some scary stuff to it, too. Yeah, for sure. Like, really creepy vibe. Yeah, and so I don't know... Yeah, I don't know what I would prefer. I don't know if I would prefer that it tries to go for humor, or if I would prefer that it kind of tries to keep to its... I don't know, more serious roots. It just seems like... I don't know that it's going for serious, but I definitely don't Mm -hmm. think it's going for the crazy balls of the wall weirdness right. of the live action bits of their yeah marketing. i think i'd like it if it was a little bit more bombastic than the first i think i would enjoy that yeah uh, just because it being a kind of self-serious it didn't have a lot of personality post-apocalypse yeah yeah that and that that sounds less interesting to me than something that is going to have a little bit more of a fun tone um but obviously, we're going to see more at E3. Hopefully, we get like a gameplay demo because I really want to see how this open world structure works yeah. and if it's more fleshed out than the first game. Uh, that that's what would get me excited about that. So, one of the big reasons why this was an important announcement is because this really lends credibility to that Walmart list being real. So, right, I feel like it's pretty safe to assume we're going to get a Splinter Cell announcement oh, um, from Ubisoft. It is interesting, however, because Randy Pitchford has come out, who's the head of Gearbox, has come out and said Borderlands 3 will not, very emphatically said, will not be at E3. So, I don't know about that. That's that's curious. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Um, along with the, the Splinter Cell thing and, like, lending credence to the list, um, uh, it was uh, Ubisoft had announced their AAA title releasing this right. fiscal year. So they, they, right. they said there yeah, are... let's jump to that. That while Skull and Bones is delayed, that was their, like, pirate, uh, their, like, kind of camera-pulled-back, more tactical mm-hmm. pirate game that was announced the same year as uh, uh, Sea of Thieves. And people are like, oh, right. too much pirate stuff. Mm-hmm. But this is much more, like, serious and tactical, and this isn't just, like, a playground. Um, so that's been delayed, and the crew, too... Is supposed to be releasing soon, and the Division Two is supposedly releasing this fall. They said they have three games releasing this fiscal year. In this fiscal year, right? Yeah, and like they are very cagey about what that third game is going to be because now we know it's not Skull and Bones. So odds are probably, I, I have a hard time believing that Splinter Cell would release this year though. Same, yeah. I would love that. So it could be. It could be Assassin's Creed. I know another game that's been rumored that they've been, which I'm sure they have been working on for a while, is Watch Dogs 3. Oh, Seems yeah. Seems probably a little early for that to release, but uh, one, I would imagine one of those three will be that third this fiscal year game. Yeah. Um, it, it could be interesting for it to be Assassin's Creed, because that's a couple additional months for them to work on it. And, I mean, I don't I don't know, man, I'm th- as I'm thinking through it. 
I don't know that I would want this to be the case, but if they did like an Assassin's Creed Origins 2 and kept Bayek as the main character, kept it in pyramids, kind of whatever desert stuff, mm. and it was just a sequel to that, that obviously makes it easier for them to turn it around. I don't know, though. I'm not sure that I would want that. I spent so much time with that game. So much so, in fact, that I wasn't interested in the DLC. I don't know that I would want a sequel. I kind of need a new, fresh thing. Right. So, I don't know. I don't know how I would feel. Splinter Cell, I could very easily get excited about a, Splinter, yeah. a new Splinter Cell game. I could very um, easily be excited about a new Splinter Cell game. Especially yeah, if it's yeah. co-op, like um, Conviction was. Conviction was so good. Right. Um, so, yeah. Uh, in addition to the Walmart stuff... Sony came out and announced their press conference. So it's happening Monday evening as expected. They they did say they're switching up the way they're going about this now. Instead of it being like a traditional press conference like they've been doing the past couple of years, which is very like new game announcement heavy, trailer heavy, a bunch of games. They're just going to focus more on four big titles, four big exclusives. And they'll still have some indie stuff. I'm sure they'll still have some third-party stuff. But they want to take, which I believe is a direct quote, they said they want to take a deep dive on four games. And those four games are The Last of Us Part Two, Spider-Man, Ghost of Tsushima, which is the Sucker Punch game that was announced at PSX last uh, year? Yes. Or maybe maybe Paris Games? No, Paris Games Week, uh, maybe? Either one. I don't know. Regardless. It was just a trailer. It's like a feudal Japan some kind of smoky ash monster. I don't know. Yeah. Seems it's interesting. Just a stinger. And then the fourth the fourth one being Death Stranding. So Oh yeah. Obviously I personally am not interested in Death Stranding, but Kojima is a complete madman. Yes. And so I'm curious at least to see more of this game. And as one of the most humble, unselfish people in the world, I am also happy for people like you, Kyle, that are excited about this game to see more because I, it was a joke, I know. Don't give me that look. <laughs> Just because I know people are really hyped about this game and all the little teasers and trailers that are total fucking nonsense, by the way, people are getting hyped about it. So seeing more of that, uh, fine. I, I'm I'm willing to sacrifice 15 minutes of my time for other people to get to see more of this batshit insanity. That's cool with me. Because the other three, I'm insanely excited to see. And taking more of this deep dive mentality basically guarantees that we're going to get gameplay demos of all of these. Yeah. So Last oh, yeah. of Us Part Two, one we have not seen any actual live gameplay happening. Right. It's been some story trailers, some style trailers, that like cutscene thing with maybe grown-up Ellie, maybe Ellie's mom being hung, whatever. And this, like, I don't know, dude. Uh, obviously... I am at very highly anticipating Last of Us Part Two, And so I want to see it in action. I want to see what kind of stuff they've done to change it up, which hopefully they have adapted some of the crafting stuff, um, some of the world exploration, make it a little bit less repetitive in the puzzles and that kind of thing. Um, Spider-Man, I know you're not super excited about it, but I, I want to see more of it in action. I'm hoping that it's a little bit more combat-focused and less QTE-focused because a lot of what they've shown already has been those big action set pieces with a bunch of quick-time events, and that doesn't sound that interesting to me. I want it the more the actual combat gameplay that they showed, which was more it was more acrobatic Batman Arkham Asylum style, right. and that seems cool to me. And that's and that's then goes to Tsushima, act, right? Yes, Insomniac, which we know that they're gonna they're gonna nail the writing and the character. They've proven that they're fantastic at that kind of stuff. It's more this is in the new gameplay style. So hope, hopefully they can take some of their experience from um, Sunset Overdrive, which was more acrobatic in its gameplay style, and take some lessons from that and implement it here. I think it could be good. 
And then Ghost of Tsushima, I just want to see more. I just want to know more about what this game is. So taking a deep dive on that, which where there's so much unknown, is certainly cool. I will say this: you could look at this as being a little potentially a bit disappointing because, it, assuming they're sticking to this, and hey, we're only showing four main exclusives. That means we're not going to see any God of War DLC. That means we're not going to get any more on Days Gone, which I guess does make sense that that was recently delayed. We're not going to see Dreams. Um, well, they and that whole uh, they don't need to really show anything on Days Gone because Game Informer uh, Days Gone is their cover story this month, and so they Game okay. Informer has a ton of gameplay interviews coverage out there and available through this whole month. Um, and so it's like the month before E3. So basically, I think, because it there's, Days Gone is interesting enough and different enough, um, from what you would expect it to be after having like seen mm. all of that stuff. I think it's definitely yeah. worth looking into. And so, I think it would have deserved one of these four slots at their okay. conference had the cover story not happened. Um, yeah, I mean. And I think that the stuff in the Game Informer is certainly cool, and I'm going to have to check that out. And that's more for people that are really plugged in, but that's not what E3 is about. Obviously, it's good sure. for folks like us to get the hype machine going, etc. But E3 is more for you know the vendors that are selling the games, more mass media for folks that aren't like hardcore into video games, that this is like the big event they pay attention to. So Days Gone, like the fact that it's in Game Informer is cool, but is nowhere near the amount of attention that it would be getting had it been at E3. Yeah, but I also feel like Days Gone is not mass marketable from what I've seen. I I don't know that it necessarily is because it's a... I don't know, man. Last of Us is pretty fucking popular, and this is... Tonally, aesthetically, fairly similar. Uh, it's okay, aesthetically sure, but like in terms of the structure of the gameplay, what they're expecting right. of the player after having right. seen all this Game Informer coverage, I don't know that it's necessarily something that you would want to market to everybody okay. all at once. And, and it's not, it's not a spectacle game other than the technical feat of having that many freakers on screen at the same time like the like right. 400 at the same time kind of thing that's what that's i was gonna cool point moment. out that that part of it plays really yeah. well on a big stage right. and may, in maybe that's media, that in, a, in a stinger sizzle yeah, reel or sizzle reel, yeah. certainly um so yeah and i mean we also got that trailer whenever it was psx for maybe bloodborne 2 maybe a new tenchu right. whatever the new from software game is which sounds like we're not going to see any more of that here. So I know there are a lot of folks that are disappointed about that. I don't know. You certainly can't judge this approach until it happens, and then we'll see. I know for me, last year's Sony press conference, I was less excited about primarily because it was just like trailer, 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 trailer with no context, and that my eyes just kind of... Like, all the games looked cool. There were a lot of cool things they showed. Not a ton of new announcements, I guess, but a lot of cool things they showed. But... It, it didn't have the same impact because we we weren't really given a breather. There weren't, like, I, I like seeing the developers come out and intro the stuff we're about to see. And they didn't do that, which made me care a little bit less. So them doing that again, I wouldn't have loved. So maybe this kind of new approach could work and really dive into, which is like a total polar opposite of what they did last year. And really diving into the games, maybe giving us a little bit more insight on the development of these games i think that could be really fascinating yeah 
Yeah, I agree. So we'll see. We'll know in just a couple weeks whether or not it works. Who it's coming uh, I'm sure plenty of people will bitch about it, and plenty of people will love it because <laughs> the internet. So I don't know. I mean, how do like is this obviously the Death Stranding thing for you is cool? Yeah. And I'm sure Last of Us Two is cool for you as, as well. But like, is this something like are you more or less excited about Sony's press conference than you were before we knew what this was going to be? Honest, I hadn't thought about E3 much at all until recently yeah. until like all this stuff started coming out so i haven't had time to really process like my feelings about it going into it and so now i mean it's just mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know that i can really make a distinction of a before and after for that i'm i just i am excited for it yes so. of course I, I would say the only thing that maybe bums me out is the implication that we're not going to get a new big reveal because there's always that hope in every e3 press conference of all right what's the new thing What's the new thing where they're going to close the press conference with, you know? And at least this, taking them at their word that this is what they're doing, we're not going to get that. And that, I think, is a little disappointing for me personally. Yeah, but so I, we'll I, see. at the same time, it's like there are so many things on the horizon that we're, like, I'm trying to keep my sure. eye on and keep my ears perked out or uh, keep my ears out for um, that I don't, I don't know if I have space for another another thing on that list because it's a lot there's a lot coming yes but also of every single thing every single game that we know is coming out in the next three years of which there are already a lot that we know about nothing would hype me more at e3 period than a trailer for the new elder scrolls well yeah that's fair and, and granted, that might be specific to Elder Scrolls, and it's not a bunch of other games. But just, like, the fact that you're right. There are tons of awesome-looking games coming down the pike. But there are still games that are not announced, which I would be more excited about than those games. And so I can't sit here and say that something like that could not be announced at a Sony press conference. Where they could come out and announce some new game that is like Elder Scrolls. Where it's like, okay, it's not Spider-Man. It's not The Last of Us. It's not Anthem. These other games that I'm insanely hyped for. I'm even more excited for this other game. And now, there's no chance of that happening. Or at least a very minuscule chance of that happening. But, it's hard to complain too much. You're right. There are ton- tons of awesome video games that we already know about. And plenty more from other conferences that will be announced. Right. Another game that has been announced ahead of E3, or I guess not announced, but fully revealed. No, not even fully revealed. Talked about. <laughs> Call of Duty Black Ops, four hash marks. That's what I'm calling this game. Yeah, four tally marks. Right. Well, hash marks the same thing. So they uh, had a reveal event, and they showed... Some gameplay, which I didn't really watch. I was actually, right before we were going to do this uh, recording, I was like a couple minutes into watching some multiplayer stuff just because I was curious. But they put out a bunch of trailers. So they did like a uh, a couple multiplayer trailers, um, kind of a more style trailer, some stuff for the zombie modes, the Battle Royale, which is happening because, of course, it is. Everyone knew it was gonna. So I guess... We don't need to spend a ton of time on it because neither of us are particularly interested in Call of Duty. Right. But for the sake of everyone that listens to this, that is. Generally, I don't see how the multiplayer, I don't see how this is a new video game. <laughs> Granted, I have not played Call of Duty other than World War II. I did not play Black Ops 3, uh, Advanced Warfare, or Infinite Warfare. I did not play them. But from an outside perspective, this looks like the same thing. 
Like, I don't see anything that's new or different in this that wasn't in Black Ops 3 Advanced Warfare or Infinite Warfare. Did you feel any any differently? Um, this is probably bad as someone, as one of two people on this podcast who's supposed... You didn't watch any I didn't of watch any is of that, is that You didn't watch... I didn't watch awesome. any of the Call Great. of Duty stuff. Great. <laughs> so glad we're going to talk about this. So, you don't even know what's happening. I, like, I was just so disinterested. I couldn't. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I didn't even make it all the way through a couple of these movie trailers that are coming up because they were not good. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, so I will say for anybody that is very interested in Call of Duty or at least seeing about it. Game Informer has a pretty extensive article where they have all the trailers and they kind of break some of the stuff down and talk about what they learned from the uh, reveal event, which I'll link to that in the show notes for episode 25, which you can see on ShadeHatesEverything.com. So do that. I will say just to go through some of this other stuff, with the zombies mode, I should say there are three zombies modes now. They all have weird names, which I don't remember, but one of them is the more traditional zombies mode, but it takes place on the Titanic. And it has like some kind of little mini story, objectives, whatever. That looks like pretty part and parcel for what they've done previously. It's just on the Titanic. Yeah. There's another mode that is like the the same characters from the Titanic one time travel to gladiator times and are fighting zombies in a gladiator area with melee weapons weird and it's not they don't it's not gameplay it's all very cg and frankly if this didn't have call of duty ahead of it garen fucking teed people would be looking at this trailer and saying that it, it looks laughably bad because this trailer it looks laughably bad the style of it even the graph graphically it sucks like it looks super shitty but it's not the actual game so who knows what the actual game will be but I guess it's more melee, like you fight with melee weapons, weird. which weird fit for Call of Duty. Yeah. Uh, and then there is a third zombie mode, which they haven't really said anything about. So who knows what that is? Then there's the battle royale, which I keep thinking of it as a hundred person battle royale, but they have not said that it will be a hundred players. And the rumor was they were having trouble getting a hundred players. So it might not be, but this was more of, just a reveal and like the style of this didn't show any of actually what it was. It's still very nebulous about what this is. They have said that the map is like way gigantic, like way bigger than a PUBG or Fortnite map. And it has land, sea and air vehicles. So what was funny to me is in this trailer, which Kyle, I would encourage you to watch this trailer. It's only like 70 seconds long, but in this trailer, they, which I wrote down as quotes, literally say, the dude who's kind of narrating says, it had to be unique. He says, it's something totally new. He says, you've never experienced before. And literally nothing that they were saying was anything new at all. It's like land, sea, and air vehicles. And I'm like, okay, Battlefield does that. It's like the big battle royale mode. Okay, there's a million fucking of those. Like, it's just, I don't even understand. The way that they talk about it, it seems like it's just Call of Duty, but in a battle royale mode. Like, nothing about it seems anything different than what a regular Call of Duty multiplayer is. It's just that there are 100 dudes, or 60 dudes, or however many dudes there's going to dude. Weird. I, I don't know. And maybe there is more to it. Maybe they're, frankly, not close enough to having it ready to show where they can show it. 
And maybe there is more. Maybe there are some cool new features and things we've never seen before in a Battle Royale mode. But if that is the case, this was a very ineffective trailer because it did not show nor talk about any of those new things. Yeah, I don't know. It was one of those self... It was very insanely self-aggrandizing trailers that's like they just think they are fucking reinventing the first-person shooter yet again and nothing about this is new or fresh or unique. But it's Call of Duty. Oh, man. So that's Call of Duty. I don't give two fucks about anything they showed, which bums me out. Because like with World War II, I certainly wasn't like, oh man, I have to play this. But there was enough there that made me want to try it. And I hated the multiplayer because that's just where I am in my life. I don't like competitive multiplayer shooters anymore. Right. But there was something to this that made me want to check it out. There is not a single thing about Call of Duty Black Ops 4 hash marks that makes me want to play it. Which is disappointing. Uh, so we talked about Skull and Bones being delayed. It's been delayed to 2019. Metro Exodus Ugh. and the new Shenmue game have both been delayed to 2019. Which, yes, Metro is a super bummer. So I know sad. we were both looking forward to it. But it was supposed to come out this fall, and it has only been delayed to Q1 2019, which will be like... It's basically a, like a year from now, late spring to early summer. Yeah, so the, it's still and fiscal 2018, I think, right? No, it is not. It is, it is Q1 of 2019. Q1 starts April 1st for most companies. Oh, this is fiscal Q1 of 2019. 2019. Oh, correct. Okay. Yes. Uh, so, because it was originally supposed to release in the fall, right around Call of Duty, Red Dead 2, presumably Black or um, Border Battlefield 5. Can't fucking say it. Which would have sucked for this game, like to come out against all those huge juggernaut kind of shooterish games. Yeah, and this is you know it's more of a mid tier game. But it wouldn't it looks have awesome. sucked We're both for excited, me. But yeah, because you'd be able to play it. I know, but it's not like how often does delaying a game a couple months make the game worse? You know what I mean? It's just when you're gonna get to play but it. But what if I die, Shay, and then I don't get to play it? It, yeah, yeah. And is that where you're gonna hang your hat on? Like that's your that's your final wish is to play Metro Exodus. I mean, my hat's on the floor right now, but it fell off my little ottoman. <laughs> like I said, I've been having some ups and downs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyways, um, all right. So we talked about the Ubisoft stuff. Um, okay, so. We wanted to start by talking about all the concrete things we knew, kind of leading in with the Walmart reveal, and maybe that that's true. All the other games that have been announced, what's going to happen at E3. So because it's pre-E3, there are still shit tons of rumors that are happening. So I wanted to make a clear differentiation. We're moving into rumor territory now. So none of this stuff has been substantiated, but there is a rumor that Retro is working on a new Star Fox game that is inspired by F-Zero. The old classic Nintendo racing game. So Retro, for folks that don't know, they're a classic Nintendo development studio. They made some amazing games way back in the day. They were part of the huge 3D mascot platformer thing. But more re- recently, they'd made um, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. They made a bunch of Donkey Kong games. And uh, they started the first Metroid Prime. They are not working on Metroid Prime 4. That is a different studio. So Retro's working on something right now. And the rumor is that it's Star Fox. 
this would be a Star Fox racing game, essentially, not like a traditional Star Fox ex- experience, called Star Fox Grand Prix. And that doesn't sound awesome no. to me. To be fair, part of that is impacted by the recent Star, uh, Star Fox release on Wii U, which, by all accounts, was absolutely terrible. Uh, so I don't know that Star Fox really works anymore in a modern day. But if it's just a racing game, that's even less interesting to me. Yeah. Unless it's, like, more Wipeout style, maybe. Like, the the way that they talked about it was it's, like, F-Zero fast-paced racing, but with some combat, too. Like, you can shoot that kind of thing. Which, I guess, could be interesting. Um, but I don't know. Obviously, it's a rumor, so who knows if this is true. But part of the rumor is also that... Or I should say it's a separate rumor. But there has been a rumor floating around that the game Retro is working on is having problems. Like, they're really struggling with the development of it. It's not coming together the way they want. Which, if that is Star Fox Grand Prix, that makes it even more scary. That they're spending their time working on a game that I personally don't even care about in the first place. And it's not coming together well. That's not that great of a look. Right. Um, So, who knows? Maybe this is something that could be revealed at E3. Uh, but because Nintendo does their much shorter Nintendo Directs there, they obviously can't fit as much stuff in. So who knows? Um, uh, oh, I guess that was the only other rumor. No, there was yeah, something else. Uh, Stalker. So Well, that was announced. That was announced. But we don't really know what's going on because... Well, yes, we don't know. Yeah, yeah we don't know anything about <laughs> because, it. Like, so basically, a, a website popped up that the entire thing says stalker 2 2021 and then has info at stalker or whatever some email address that you can email them to uh at for like mm-hmm. apparently like supposedly like a, a press kit for the game or something um that email address has not responded to anybody yet and the website's been up for a couple days <laughs> um so who even knows I have no idea. Like speaking of like things that are coming out of nowhere, like Rage Two, a Stalker Two, like not on anybody's anybody's radar. Um, <laughs> obviously, like the first Stalker games, they're very influential and uh, they inspired the Metro games very heavily. Um, there's like old open world PC apocalypse survival games, uh, very sim heavy. Uh, a lot of systems right. at work. Um, and I don't may, may maybe there's room for something heavier like that because Metro is very um arcadey uh, in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, and th- and Stalker is so not. I think tonally they go for very similar right. things. I think Stalker right. leans more, even more heavily into the supernatural stuff um, yeah. than Metro does, even with all the aliens and dark ones and stuff. I think Stalker is even more of that. Um, it's more sci-fi. Yeah. Yes. More sci-fi. Yes. More, I guess like more hard sci-fi like Metro. It's just kind of like, it's more concerned about its world and the characters in the world. Whereas stalker is more interested in like the intricacies of that. Right. Um, so I don't know, maybe, maybe there is a place for, for something like this, but, um, I think so. I mean, I'm not particular. Well, maybe I, because it's the stalkers on PC, I'm not going to play it. And so if this second game would be on other Systems, I might be interested. If it's only PC, I'm not going to play it anyway. Right. But I will say, ha- hearing you talk about the first Stalker game, like there's a lot about that that sounds cool that I would theoretically want to check yeah. out. So I definitely think there's a place for this. And the tough thing about the old Stalker games is there, I think there's three of them. And like I don't 
I can never keep them straight, like which one came out first, and which <laughs> one has what systems, and which one takes place where, and all that stuff. I can never keep them straight. Yeah. But I've tried to play all three of them at some point, and they're just they're very, very systems heavy, and it's it's yeah. a, a big commit uh, to get into one of them. So I never got all that far, but um, it's just yeah, like a really weird out of nowhere thing. Something I didn't realize was that this game had been announced before in some way it right. was supposed to release in 2012 yeah like a long time ago yeah but the studio shut down um yeah uh so i don't know maybe this is them picking up the pieces finally and finding a well, having found a way yeah, to continue development and i think it was i think they shut down with like no explanation and then it because like they, they they shut down a lot of the folks opened a new studio and then now this Stalker 2 announcement is from that first studio again. So, like, who knows what the fuck they're doing. Right. It's very confusing. And why it is the way it is. And the, just the fact that it's it's slated for 2021. Like, why would you announce a game and give a date to it that is three and a half years away? Right. Unless. It just seems weird. This game takes place in 2021. Sure, but still, why would you announce the date already? Right. <laughs> like, why would you're only the only thing that could happen is you end up not meeting that date and you have to delay it. Like, there's no benefit to saying that it's coming out in three fucking years. <laughs> right. Um, so there was another rumor that I wanted to talk about, and I had it much. There's a lot of news, you guys. So, yes, my new I organized everything in the way I wanted to talk about it, and I forgot to move this one up. So this other rumor mill thing, which I was going to say for last just because it's a cool rumor. Well, no. It's an exciting rumor mill thing. It's about the po- new Pokemon game. Ah. So th- it comes it comes from 4chan. So obviously large grains of salt. There's a, uh, Sometimes 4chan can be a place of like really getting on the inside scoop, and a lot of other times it's just trolls that bullshit everything. So who knows if this is true or not? We're only talking about it because it's Pokemon. So the rumor is that the Nintendo Switch Pokemon game, there will be two versions called Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Pokemon Let's Go Eevee. And both of them will be spiritual remakes of Pokemon Yellow version, a.k.a. more closely following the story of the Pokemon television show, the anime. And gameplay-wise... They want it to be a, because it's on Switch, they want it to be a crossover home and mobile game that works well both on a big television and on the handheld mode. It will still be top-down, 3D-ish, or like 2D, 3D, whatever. Very similar to the handheld games, but presumably with just better graphics. And will combine elements from Pokemon Go. <sighs> I told you so Shay. much so. I told you. I know you. so much so. In fact, that you'll be able to trade Pokemon back and forth between your Pokemon Go and Pokemon Let's Go, Pikachu or Eevee. So, all of that sounds horrible. Well, I'm on board. None I'm of on that. board with the Kanto region. Going back to fine or fine. J- yes. J- Johto. Kanto. Kanto. Kanto was the okay. first one. I'm on board with going back to Kanto. Original 151 sure. stuff. Go back to the roots. I'm totally on board with that. Seeing those familiar places again. Yes. I'm all right with that. Fine. My issue is one of the th- like the two biggest things that I did not want Pokemon Switch to be is one, an adaptation of a lot of elements from Pokemon Go. Right. And two, a handheld Pokemon game they just put on Switch. And this rumor 
is just those two things. Right. It's just the a remake of Pokemon Yellow, essentially, with Pokemon Go stuff. Like, the way you capture Pokemon is a very touchscreeny whatever, like from Pokemon Go. They would change the combat to be more active the way Pokemon Go is, which I don't even think is active. You're just mashing a button. Right. So, all like, all of this sounds awful. So, I am firmly in the this isn't true camp, because if it is, I will be very sad. So, I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, that doesn't sound great. I need to hear more about Pokemon at E3, because I'm sick of worrying about this. I need to know one way or the other. I either need to be excited about this big, open-world, 3D, Zelda-inspired Pokemon experience with puzzles and exploration and side quests... Or I need to firmly say, all right, I'm forced to buy this because it's Pokemon, but I don't want to play it because it's Pokemon Go-like or it's like a whatever. I need to know one way or the other. There's no middle ground there, and I need to know. Yeah, same. Um, okay, so back to some other like updates and reveals and stuff. So EA, I guess, came out and in their earnings call, had, were talking about Anthem. Because it was recently delayed to 2019. And they've come out and said that they're targeting March. So a late Q4 fiscal 2018 release for Anthem. This is only news for me. Like worthwhile to talk about news. Because this is exactly what happened with Mass Effect Andromeda. Mass Effect Andromeda was supposed to release in 2016. In the fall. It was delayed to 2017. And then they said, hey, it's going to come out in March. And this is important because this is what companies do because they want the revenue from this game to be included in their prior fiscal fiscal year. Which is why a lot of games end up coming out in March. Because that's the last month of their fiscal year. They want that revenue to count towards that fiscal year versus it rolling over into the future year. Because they want to know what money they already had and not what money is coming. That's how the businesses like to think about things. And as we all saw... Them releasing Mass Effect Andromeda in March didn't exactly serve that game because it was clearly not ready for prime time. So, is that, is that what's going to happen with Anthem? Is this game going to be not ready to release, but because it's EA, the like demonic presence of the video game industry, are they going to fart this thing out in late March and it's going to suck ass because it wasn't ready to release? I... I I can't imagine that they will make that mistake again. Because they know that's what happened with Andromeda. They know that's why that game failed. is because it wasn't ready to release. And yet they did it anyway. And they paid the consequences dearly. I cannot imagine that even the money-grubbing goblins running that fucking company could make the same mistake again. And yet here they are presenting us with all the evidence that that is in fact what they are doing. This terrifies me. I know we talked about it last episode, and there's a lot about Anthem that makes us kind of go, eh, the co-op multiplayer shooter stuff, eh, Destiny, Division, eh. But there's still, it's still fucking Bioware. The A-team at Bioware, there's still a lot of, like, the aesthetic of Anthem is really cool. There's a lot of cool shit that this could be. This game could be what Mass Effect Andromeda was supposed to be. But if they rush it out, they're going to ruin their new franchise before the fucking first game is even out. Just hire me. I mean, if that's what happens, if they put out Anthem and it fails the same way Andromeda did, 
EA is going to be looking for a new CEO. And all I'm saying is, man, you can find my cell phone number easily. <laughs> Just give me a call. <laughs> Whew. 200, 200 grand a year. That's like that. That is very competitive rates. I can't imagine. I bet you the CEO of EA is making millions of dollars a year. Pay me 200K a year. I'll come in there. I'll fix your shit. And I'll do it in a condescending way. <laughs> um, I don't work during low swings. Um. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, I, so just, I echo every last one of those sentences. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I Obviously, we're going to see more Anthem at E3. That's one of the games that I am excited to see. Less because I'm really hyped for the game and more because I want them to prove it to me. Right. So it's a different kind of excitement, but I am excited I am excited to see more because I think that after this E3, I will know whether or not I want to play this. I hope that is the case. I don't want them to string me along with the hype cycle anymore. Just prove it to me, prove it or lose it. That's what needs to happen. They announced this game 2 fucking years ago. There's a new trailer for Vampire, which is more gameplay focused, which they haven't shown a ton of. We've gotten like little snippets in their style trailers and stuff, and I know they've done some demos here and there. But uh, seeing a lot of the combat in action, and I only bring this up because the game comes out in like two weeks. Yeah. And in this trailer, there's always been something about the game that makes me like, I don't know about this game. I really love the vibe. It seems cool. I want Don't Nod to succeed because Life is Strange Season 1 was phenomenal. And even Remember Me had a lot of cool ideas that just didn't execute. But this trailer kind of did it for me where I don't think this is going to be a good video game. I, I, I trust that it will be written pretty well. Uh, and there yeah. will be like decent voice acting, good characters. I, I'm okay with the visual style. Um, I don't really have mm-hmm. any issues with that. But I think it's going to be a B tier character character action game that like a powers based yeah. B tier character action game that has yeah. good writing and a compelling story and interesting characters, which yeah, I'm tempering I- some expectations. Sure. And and I would say that it being a mediocre B-tier action-y game is certainly not enough for it to succeed in a very crowded market, much less coming from a relatively unknown developer, small studio, which would scare me for them financially because video games are so fucking expensive to make. One flop can kill you, um, and certainly two flops can kill you even faster, which we'll get to in a minute. But... Uh, the fact that they are already working on Life is Strange Season 2, and that's kind of their meat and potatoes, that we know is going to sell well because the first one sold well, makes me feel a little bit better. That even if this game comes out and it doesn't set the world on fire, isn't that great? I'm not worried that like they're going to have to shut the studio down. So there's that little bit of silver lining. But I want the game to be good, obviously. Right. It's a really cool idea that could be done well. It just... From the trailers, there was always that little bit of nervousness. And this most recent one, which was very gameplay-focused, it just does not look good to me. There's just something about it that, like you said, it looks like a B-tier, mediocre action-y game. And that's not something that I want to play. Yeah, I, I... For me, if the story and characters are good enough, I can power through some middling combat and stuff but i i don't know like yeah. I mean, it looks like i mean they showed off a lot of different powers in that trailer and some of those mm-hmm. do look pretty cool and like they'll be fun to use yeah so i think yeah. there will still be the... things to enjoy there even if the controls are a bit stiff sure 
It's certainly possible. And again, I'm not. I don't want this game to be right. bad. I want it to be good. So, I I'm not planning on buying a day one. We'll see what happens with the reviews. I do want to check it out. So hopefully the reviews are at least average, yeah. to, so I can justify spending the yeah. money. And I had pre-ordered it, so I'll play it too. So, yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, so talking about bad games hmm. making studios shut down. Uh, we've been talking about Cliff Blazinski and Boss Key Productions for the last couple episodes because they shut down support for Lawbreakers and then a couple days later announced Radical Heights, which was very early access, and some of the comments that Cliff Blazinski had made about Epic trying to vulture his staff. Well, the studio shut down. So that sucks. Um, for them. Uh, well, obviously. I think for the gaming should... community as a whole, Cliff Blazinski not making games anymore is totally fine. Fine. I can get behind that. I mean more from the perspective of these people lost their jobs. Right. And it's an even worse look that mere weeks ago, he was on Twitter yelling at Epic for trying to hire his staff. And now he just laid off all his staff. Yeah. So, like, fuck off. What a prick. Um, so... This really, obviously, I mean, it's a huge bummer for all the people that are affected. We don't want anyone to to lose their jobs. Even when a studio puts out a bad game, like, there are consequences for that. It's a capitalist market. If you put out, if you put out a poor product, you pay the price. But that doesn't mean that, like, we have to celebrate human beings being without work. I don't know. Maybe all of them are rapists, in which case, fuck all of them. But I don't think that's probably the probably case. Not. I'm sure there were some decent human beings that worked there. But... This whole story for me really elucidates uh, why what happened with them happened. So, they obviously, they ran out of money is what it was. So, they put out Radical Heights. It didn't catch on in early access like they wanted. And it didn't drive the revenue that they needed to keep the studio open. Which obviously totally makes sense why they rushed out the launch of radical yeah. heights why they put it out in such an early unprepared they state were in dire because they had to they didn't yeah they didn't have another choice they were going to close down either way and so this was their last kind of last ditch effort so that makes a lot more sense why they did that doesn't make the game any better or more unique but it makes sense why they had to do that it's also a shame because like they very clearly were chasing trends Instead of like trying to do something new for themselves, yeah. they were chasing trends. Because with Lawbreakers, it was that kind of hero shooter. And then with Radical Heights, it was the Battle Royale market. Where they were coming in late and didn't have enough new, fresh ideas on the genre to really stand apart. So that that's like, I don't know. That It seems like an obvious problem to solve. But Cliff Blazinski also came out on Twitter and was posting... Because now the studio is gone, all their assets are dead... He was posting just some of the ideas that they had pitched previously that obviously didn't get picked up. And so there were three kind of games that he highlighted. One of them was codenamed Dragonflies, which was described as a Samurai's Riding Dragons Air multiplayer game, which sounds kind of interesting. Uh, there was codenamed Rover, which is a like mech VR game, which he described as being a 5v5v5v5v5. So like everyone, five people control each mech. So there's a lot of teamwork, which sounds cool. Yeah. Uh, and then Donuts, which is a weird name for this game, but it was basically, he described it as being Mario Kart, but you are different kinds of animals racing like in the water. And it's also, it was also a VR pitched game. 
So like there's there's cool aspects to all of those. Obviously, this is purely just pitches, and so it's like your ideas and concept are right. maybe a little bit of um, uh, some kind of uh, actual in-game assets, but none of these were built out. We can't speak to like, oh man, Dragonflies, that game would have been awesome, because we don't know that it would have been awesome. It was a cool idea, but we don't know that it would have been a good game. But the, the reason I bring this up most is because it, again, really highlights why Lawbreakers and Radical Heights didn't work, because he put out this quote. So he says... One problem with publishers generally, you pitch something and the response is often, oh, it's too similar to something we have or we have out there, or this is too unique, so we can't build a proper financial model for it. And he says, you know, I respect them, but that's as a creative, that's very frustrating, which really speaks to me from my kind of creative background and like pitching dreamwriters and that kind of thing of these non-creatives who are only looking at things from a objective financial mode and again saying you know with dream riders it was either oh these characters are too similar to what we have right now or this concept is too similar to what we have right now or the opposite this is too out there it's too different than anything we have so no and it's like you can't have it both ways you can't say something is too different and also say that something is too similar right. because there's no middle ground there. Like, they're not seeing a middle ground there. So that, I really appreciated what he said and kind of made me feel for him and just, I mean, game makers in general. But also makes more sense of why they were chasing these trends. If this is to be believed and he's not, like, just bitching and these they pitched these games and these were the responses they got were like, oh, this is too similar to this other game or, oh, this is too different. We've never done anything like this before, so no makes a little more sense of why Lawbreakers was derivative and why Radical Heights was derivative. Because they felt like that, that's what, that was the only way they could get their games made and get you know publishers behind them. So, I don't know. It just, all of this adds a little more color on what happened with Boss Key. Um, doesn't make the games they put out any better, any more unique. But it does, I don't know. It's just interesting to me. It's sad and interesting, I should say. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we talked about this a little bit last episode of this new update coming to No Man's Sky. So they detailed a little bit more about this, and now it's coming out in July. Uh, so it's also coming to Xbox. This is the first release of No Man's Sky on Xbox, and they're adding multiplayer. So finally, I didn't see it. Yeah, I didn't see a ton of info on this. Um, I'll link the Game Informer story in in the show notes uh, if you want to check it out. But they're adding both co-op multiplayer and PvP multiplayer, which either one of those could work really well in No Man's Sky, which I still have not played. I still have my disc oh, that I bought geez. three years ago and have not played. Um, but after this re- release comes out, this is definitely going to be the right way to check it out. So, I don't know. That, that's a uh, public service announcement, kind of what's coming there. Might be something interesting to check out if you haven't seen No Man's Sky or if you played it originally and, uh, like most, didn't love it. Might be a good time to come back and check it out. Yeah, I still have not played it since release. I've been waiting for all these big updates and stuff, so... Right, right. Uh, PlayStation put out an announcement that they are no longer making Vita carts. So, this is basically the death knell of the Vita. You can still buy games digitally. You can obviously still buy and use carts that already exist in the market, but they won't be making any new ones. So that's, I mean, the Vita never caught on. There are a lot of people that are still big proponents of it as a piece of technology. There's a lot of cool stuff to it. And especially like the OLED screen on such a small scale was a really cool piece of technology. But like the the hard drive stuff being so prohibitively expensive, them not having a bunch of, you know, hot games for it at launch. 
it's hard for a system to catch on like that. Yeah. They've certainly supported it really well in recent years with all the indies and ports and stuff and cross buy, cross save. But uh, yeah, so this, I mean, that's kind of the end of the road for the Vita. Hard to imagine they'll have any new games right. announced for and, the and Vita. And Vita's still cool, with, like, cause, like, remote play still functions mm-hmm. very well, like, surprisingly mm-hmm. well, depending on the uh, internet connection you're on. So, I mean, that's still, like, a, a neat feature that that works. Yeah. Um, there's a new phone for your, or app for your phone. You can download Valve games, like, from your Steam library. Have you seen this? Yeah. So, it, it functions similarly to the Steam link, I'm assuming. Okay. Because I don't know that much about, I just saw this story and it was just, like, why would you want to play your video games on your phone? Um, so, this... It supports Steam controllers. Those little phone controllers, and, and, yeah. Like, so the Steam controller and the little like phone controllers and stuff. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this is obviously only going to be good for certain games. Um, mm-hmm. Like, less intense games, I guess. Like, you're not going to want to play the new Doom on your phone. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, like, I feel like this makes sense for a lot of, like, like turn-based games or more tactical turn-based stuff. Um. Yeah, I don't know, or like something like like Stardew Valley, or or maybe even like a Life is Strange type game where you know right. narrative focused stuff. But then it's like you know, right. do you really want to be playing that on your phone? Yeah, on your little phone on the go. I don't know. It just I, I'm not seeing a huge use case for this, but I also don't game on the go a ton anyway, so it's not really for me. Yeah. Um, but. For folks that are interested, they said that the app will become available week of May 21, which is this week. Uh, I don't know specifically what day, but check your App Store or Google Play Store, and maybe you can check it out for yourself. Um, So this was another piece of news that I saw and rolled my eyes very hard at. But the makers of Candy Crush are currently working on a mobile Call of Duty game. Because this is the end of the world. (laughs) Everyone, everything is terrible. Everyone's going to die soon because the makers of Candy Crush are making a mobile Call of Duty. This is like the convergence of every source of evil in the industry coming together. This is the Big Bang right here. This is Scorched Earth. Video games will be dead. Guess what? EA's publishing it. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be the real end of the world if Activision and EA worked together on something. Oh, boy. Um, So there's, like, no information about this. It's only a story because, I guess, Candy Crush put out, like, a a job requisition of, hey, we're hiring for this project. So we don't know anything about it. It presumably is just starting. But I just – I read this and immediately was like, every single thing about this I hate. Every single thing. (laughs) Uh, in more good news, People Can Fly, the studio behind Bulletstorm, is opening a new, st- excuse me, is opening a new studio in the UK. So this was interesting to me because one, they were purchased by Epic a couple of years ago and had worked on Gears of War something. Judgment. The one in between. Yes. Okay. The one in between. Was it Judgment? One in between three judgment? and four was Judgment, yeah. Yeah, is that what it was called? Okay. Generic subtitle here. Yep. Uh, they worked on that one, which obviously wasn't awesome, but it was okay. But, like, there was so, so much cool stuff to, to Bulletstorm, despite its kind of cringy 
uh, personality. There was a lot of cool stuff about it that made me a little sad that they kind of got absorbed by Epic and were presumably going to be a support studio for Gears of War for the next decade. But I didn't realize they bought their independence back. So they're an independent studio, and they're working on a new project for Square Enix called Painkiller. So it's a shooter for Square Enix, and I had never heard of this. And so they're opening a new studio because they're still working hard on this painkiller game and they're located in Poland and they were having trouble finding people to come work in Poland. Ah. So they're opening UK to get access to the talent there. So good for them. I, I mean, I, whatever this game is going to be, I'm very excited to check it out. Uh, Cause I like, I really liked Bulletstorm, and people can fly. Those folks seem neat. So good for them. Yeah. Moving into the world of TV and movies. So there's some star Wars news. Um, I guess I should say, by the next episode, I will have seen Solo. I'm actually, we plan to go... Um, Does that come out next week? Yeah. What? Yeah. Crap. Yep, yep, yep. Um, good luck getting tickets. But uh, right. I was going to go, well, I am going with Kelly and my father-in-law the Sunday of opening weekend. Because we always go, we go see, like, we went and saw uh, Avengers, the three of us. We all go, we go see the big Star Wars, big Marvel movie, movies together. Usually on Sunday mornings because it's cheaper. And so we're, we're going to go do that. And then I found out just a couple days ago that uh, my company, as a like a work, you know, culture retreat, is taking everyone to go see it Friday morning. So, like, I'm going to show up at work and then go see Solo at 10 a.m. on a Friday morning. <laughs> which, like, that's pretty cool. But also I'm kind of bummed because I'm going to see it and not be able to talk to Kelly and her dad about it. Because her dad's a big Star Wars fan, too. So, like, I don't know. I'm going to have to go two days with them having not seen it where I have. But uh, it's still pretty fun. So, hopefully it's good because I'm seeing it twice in three days. So, hopefully the game isn't bad. Uh, Or, sorry, the movie isn't bad. But, new story came out that about Jon Favreau's Star Wars TV show that he's working on for the Disney streaming service. That it will take place between episodes six and seven. In fact, it's actually, I think it's nine years after episode six. He also clarified that it will be all new characters because, duh, it's not like they're going to have Luke Skywalker in this fucking show. Right. Um, but that to me was good because now I don't have to worry about it tying into the new Star Wars mythos of which I am only tangentially interested and will be more associated with the original trilogy and kind of that transition back to the Republic, whatever. It sounds like a really good place to set a show about Star Wars yeah, to me. There's plenty of opportunities they, for politics and Yeah, and they also don't have to worry super much about the Jedi stuff, because like Luke had his Jedi school, which didn't work because of the Knights of Ren, etc. But like it's not like setting it in the old Republic where there's Jedi everywhere and so they got to do the Force powers. This, they can tell that whatever story he wants to tell. Right. It can be about bounty hunters. It can be about the politics. It can, it can be about some, like, Force person if they want. But they're not – they don't have to make it whatever. So that's cool. As part of this, they also said that uh, Disney has three other shows that they're working on. So they have the Star Wars live-action show, a live-action Marvel show. Which is curious because Marvel has that deal with Netflix. So I, who knows if that's going to continue or if they won't be able to make more Marvel shows on Netflix. They are going to have a Monsters, Inc. animated show. I don't know if it's CG or cartoon, but it's an animated show. And a high school musical show. So these are the four announced shows for Disney's streaming platform. I feel like maybe there's some different audiences represented yeah. there. 
Maybe a couple. And I guess you could I guess you could say that the Star Wars fans are hardcore enough to buy this just to watch the Star Wars show, and the Marvel fans are hardcore enough to buy this just for the Marvel show. You can't really say that about the Monsters Inc. or the High School Musical, but like as someone that is a big Marvel and a big Star Wars fan and will pay for their service to watch these new shows, neither Monsters Inc. kids focused animated show or a high school musical live action show, neither of those is a value add for me. So it just seems weird that these are the ones that they're focused on and they have announced. I just don't yeah. see what the crossover is there. And who's buying this to watch a high school musical show? Maybe maybe there's an audience for that that would that cares enough to pay 10.99 a month or whatever it is. That just seems odd. That seems crazy. Seems odd. In other Star Wars news, I guess I should say this is rumor rumor mill stuff, but a report came out that Colin Trevorrow, who was originally supposed to direct Star Wars Episode 9, was fired because his script sucked. <laughs> <laughs> that he had presented it to Kathleen Kennedy, who's the head of Lucasfilm, and she kind of came and she was not happy about it. I guess he had worked on a version co-authored by Jack Thorne, who wrote the Harry Potter and the Cursed Child play. So Which they had collaborated good. on a version of the script. Well, yeah, I haven't read the play, but uh, yeah. That they had worked on a script together and it was bad. And then Colin Trevorrow had his own version, which was also bad. And that's when they fired him. And also that he was a megalomaniac and was hard to work with, which you can say that about most directors. Or I guess people say that about most directors. Who know if it's true or not? Sure. It's kind of he, he said, she said. Um, but once that happened, they did think about bringing back Ryan Johnson. So that just makes me all the more happy that J.J. Abrams is directing the final one. Because if it was another Ryan Johnson movie, I would have been very bummed. Because I actively don't like him now. Because of what he did story-wise in The yeah, Jedi. Like his flippant and, attitude about all the setup from the previous film. And like, and, and I, it, it frustrates me because it, I feel like the outside perspective is that people would look at me and think that I'm one of those pretentious Star Wars nerds that can never be pleased and I care too much about something that is frivolous. Because there's that like angry nerd cliche. Sure. And I don't want to be lumped into that because my arguments are legitimate. But it is. It's the flippant way that he treated the canon and what had been set up by The Force Awakens. And it was like he was like he was given these toys to play with. And he's like, no, I don't want your fucking toys. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. And that's just a selfish way to make a movie like this. Much less a sequel in, in the biggest franchise on the planet. I don't know. It, it's... I still harbor some resentment towards that man, so I'm very glad that he's not directing. You never nine. trust a man with two first names, <laughs> Ryan and John. Well, R I A N is an odd spelling. It's Rian, so I don't know. Is it is that a first name? Um, so I don't know. I mean, he's still working, presumably, on his his own trilogy that they announced because they announced the. Uh, Game of Thrones dudes have their Star Wars trilogy they're working on. Ryan Johnson has a Star Wars trilogy that he's working on, which is way too much Star Wars, in my opinion. As someone who loves Star Wars more than anything else, that's too much Star Wars. Uh, So I guess he's still working on that. But at least for this, we'll get a nice J.J. Abrams sandwich with some rancid Ryan Johnson in the middle. Uh, More Marvel news. (laughs) So, yeah. ABC has canceled Marvel's Inhumans. 
in other to news. To the surprise of no one. Fucking duh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember when they first put out the first trailer, we talked about it, yeah. and we were like, how, how did this get made? It so this bad. This is so embarrassing. So embarrassing bad. And so they put out the first couple episodes in IMAX to try to, like, get some hype for it. And the general reaction was tepid at best. In fact, I would say it was overwhelmingly negative, where everybody was like, this is awful. And sure enough, after eight episodes, they canceled the first season, and it is no more. Surprise, surprise. the timing was weird, too, because then Marvel reacquired the rights, or or Disney required the rights for X-Men. So now the whole inhuman label doesn't need to even be used anymore. They can just say mutants. They can, but they won't because they've already established that they are not mutants. They're from the Kree, which are aliens, a.k.a. inhumans. Oh. So they've already est- – and this is an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You know this. That's That's how they've done – the powers in the TV shows is they are in humans. They are not. Mutants. I guess I did. I guess so I didn't realize the that. distinction. Well, yeah, mutants. It's a genetic thing that everyone's born with, and it's whether or not it triggers. That's the 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 mutant mutant gene is what it's called. And with the Cree thing, it's more about. Um, well, I guess it is a genetic thing, yeah. but it's it's from the aliens. It's not like I, at least my understanding of how the mutants work. It's just in everybody. It's not from any outside source. Okay. And so this is from the Cree, where they were experimenting on humans or something. I don't fucking know. Okay. Um. But yeah. Although I'm still very curious to see what happens with X Men. Yeah. Now that Marvel has them back, because they delayed those two movies. Right. I don't know if we could go into a whole thing <laughs> about Infinity War. Hmm. Do we want to do that? Do we want to do that? You can. That? I still haven't seen it and don't plan on seeing it. I know, so. but you will. You will. You will find the conversation interesting. Okay. I just wonder if it's still too early to spoil Infinity War. Probably. Let's let's wait. Yeah, it is. I mean, we can give a spoiler warning, whatever, and talk about it. But let's wait. Maybe we'll talk about it next episode because the following episode will be too e three heavy to talk about it. So maybe next episode. Tune in. Tune in in two weeks for some Infinity War theorizing. <laughs> um. Okay, so as part of this too, ABC also canceled Zach Braff's show, Alex Inc., which also looked awful. But it makes me sad because I really love Zach Braff. He's a funny dude. But man, that show looked bad. <laughs> and it was only like, I think it was like, there had been like six episodes and they canceled it. So, Ouch. yikes. Um, and then really, it's just like a bunch of trailers. So we got a new trailer for Ant Man and the Wasp. A new trailer for Luke Cage Season 2. There's a new Predator movie. There's a new Robin Hood movie with the dude from Kingsman playing Robin Hood. So, I don't know. We don't need to, like, go into all these. Check those out. They'll be in the show notes. Ant-Man, again. Ant-Man and the Wasp, like, it seems fun. I'm having a hard time caring that much about it. I still haven't uh, seen the I will first say one. I like... Oh, yeah. You should. It's it's fun. It's fun. And, I mean, it's Paul Rudd. I just, I just never think Paul about Rudd. watching it. Yeah, I get that. It's, I mean, it's a mid-tier Marvel movie. It's not amazing, but it's it's fine. It's a good time. Uh, I do like how, at least in the trailers, they're making Evangeline Lilly's character, who's the Wasp, they're making her the more competent one. Because Marvel seems to be really going out of their way now to highlight the female characters, which it took them way too fucking long to do that, but at least they're making up for it now. Um, they still don't have enough, and the Captain Marvel movie will help that. It's the first female-led Marvel movie, but like in Black Panther, Okoye was a really strong character. I can't remember the chick's name, but the love interest for Black Panther, she was a really strong character as well. Um, 
Suri? Sushi? Something? Black Panther's sister was a strong female character. And, like, you got Black Widow. Scarlet Witch was a big part in Infinity War. So, like, they're doing their best about this. And I like that in Ant-Man the Wasp, they're making the Wasp the good one. Like, Paul Rudd, he's the idiot. And they're making her the competent. As in every movie, Paul Rudd is the idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. He plays the lovable idiot really well. Oh, he's so lovable. He's, like, one of the most lovable actors there is. Him and Chris Pratt. Like, they can get away with fucking anything. Um so, I don't know. The, I mean, Luke, the Luke Cage trailer. Did you watch the Luke Cage trailer? Yeah. I th- that looks, okay. looks good. It looks good. It, it, I mean, it has a lot of the same, like, I mean, the music certainly helps. The music was easily the best part of season one for me as someone who didn't really like season one. The music was definitely the best part. Um, the main guy, like the main actor that plays Luke, something, maybe it's the editing or maybe it's just more practice, whatever, but he has a little bit more swag, a little more personality yeah. now. Um, which I, I also like, that was a big complaint that I had about the first season is he's just so boring and uninteresting as a character. So that is good for me. Obviously they're still really leaning into the like, uh, inner city black superhero, that kind of thing, which super topical love that they're leaning into that still very important conversations to be having. And the main bad guy seems interesting too. Uh, he can kind of stand toe to toe with Luke, so they're not leaning into like something that weakens Luke Cage or these like bullets that they invented that can kill right. him. It's just another dude who's really strong. Yeah. So that I think is smart as well. Oops, yeah, sorry, and he's also table. black um, again, so another black villain, which is cool too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that is smart by them, just because it would be easy. And this was similar in Black Panther, where the main villain was another black character. Obviously, you, you, we did have. Um, Shit, what was Andy Serkis' character's name? Fuck. C- uh, uh, Claw. U- Ulysses Claw. Which, man, that bums me out still. Because that character was fucking awesome. He was hilarious and amazing. Because Andy Serkis is hilarious and amazing. And it bums me out that they killed him. And he didn't get to do that much in that movie. But anyway. It's smart that they're having black hero fighting black villain. Because if they made the villain white... That just increasingly makes that like black versus white mentality, whether or not it's on purpose. Yeah. So it, it's smart for them to have black dude versus black dude. Um, I think they've also said that in season two, which I know we've talked about, there's another character, Nightshade, who is a black character. It's a female character who I would assume is going to be another villain. So that would be cool, too, is having a, fem- a black female villain, which might be the first one in a Marvel thing. Uh, when it comes yeah, to the shows I or the movies, so. so that'll be cool. Well, I mean, other than the other the the chick from Luke Cage season one, who was the the kind of the ringleader politician chick. Yeah, I oh man, she's she was my least favorite part of the show just because I couldn't stand her. Yes, and she is in the trailer, yes. and I was like, oh, I don't know yes. if I can watch this damn show. <laughs> this, like, Agreed. I hated that character. Me. I hate her character yeah, yeah. so much. Yeah, and it's not the actress. Great actress. No, it's how it's how her character. I can't written. think of her name right now. Yes, it's her character. It's bad. Character. She's a lot. I mean, a lot of the. She's a black. Umbridge. I know you don't agree. She's a black umbrage. But a, a lot of the writing is bad in season yeah. one, and her character yeah. is one of those things that was bad. The Predator and Robin Hood stuff. I don't know. Go Predator watch those looks trailers. So dumb. Predator Holy looks awful, crap. but it's just funny that they're making another Predator movie. The Robin Hood one is maybe a little more interesting just because it's like a different take on Robin Hood. But it feels very derivative of the King Arthur Legend of the totally. Sword movie starring Charlie Hunnam, 
Guy Ritchie directed that, which was ba- a bad movie. Charlie Hunnam did his best, man. Props to him. He was trying so hard in that movie to be charming, and that was a bad movie. But this feels similar to that, where it's like kind of a mystical high fantasy take on Robin Hood, where there's like it's a mixture of medieval and modern elements. So like that sounds cool in a vacuum. That sounds cool. But having already seen <laughs> King Arthur <laughs> do that and do it really poorly, and also seeing this and thinking it doesn't look that great was a bummer. The most interesting thing about the trailer, which makes me sad, is that in the beginning of the trailer, you don't know who Robin Hood yeah, is. Like, I they like introduce that. these couple of characters, because, like, the dude from Kingsman is in it. Um, I think it's Jamie Dornan or Jamie Dorman, the dude from um, Fifty Shades of Grey movies. Oh. <laughs> Poor guy. That's what he's going to be known as. He's a good actor. It's just unfortunate that he did those movies. He's in it, and Jamie Foxx is in it. And so in the beginning, like, it's all of them talking about it, and you don't know whether or not they're really good guys or bad guys, and you don't know who Robin Hood is. You see these action sequences, he's got a mask on, you don't know who's behind the mask. And they're all talking about who is Robin Hood. And that is like, and then they reveal, oh, it's the dude from Kingsman, he's Robin Hood. And I was like, oh, okay, of course. But that made me think, like, how fucking cool would that be for a movie if it's Robin Hood or whatever else, where there's this hero character, some kind of character, and you don't know who it is. That would be that way cooler. That sounds like a really fucking cool idea. I would be interested to go see the movie to decide, to figure out who yeah. they chose to be Robin Hood in the movie. Yeah. Like, so you have like these yeah. three or four, like all kind of same tier actors, these men, and they could really any of them could be it. And then so you're like, oh, I wonder, I want to know who is actually Robin Hood. So then you go to see it. That yeah. could be a cool marketing ploy. But then they blew it out of the water in like the last ten seconds of the I trailer. Know. I know. Yeah, and, and again, even if it was just in the trailer where you didn't know, that could sure. be cool. But I'm even talking about in the movie. As you're watching the movie, you don't know until the big climactic whatever reveal. Yeah. That sounds cool to me, too. That sounds really hard to write right. and construct, but that sounds like a cool idea. Somebody should do that because it won't be me. And it won't be um, this person either. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, there's the trailer for Arrested Development Season 5, uh, which comes out soon at the end of May. Did you watch season four on Netflix? I've I've seen bits and pieces of the first couple seasons. That's it. Oh, okay. So Kelly and I are big fans of the original first three seasons. We started season four when they reboot or not rebooted it, but when it came to Netflix and they uh, brought it back and we did not like it. It was structured in this really weird narrative way, which the first seasons were not. It was just a totally different kind of comedy show that was bad. And so when I saw this trailer, I was like, it looks funny. It looks like the kind of thing that I love. And I also found out that season four has been remixed. Like they re-edited the season to make it a little bit more like original Arrested Development. And I looked online just to see, and I guess people have had a positive reaction. Like people like me that didn't like the fourth season are like, oh, I watched the remixed version and it's way better. Which is a really fucking cool idea to do. Which makes sense because I'm sure they invested a lot of money to bring this show back. Season 4 was not a success and they wanted to keep making it. So them to go back in good faith and try to make the fir- that fourth season better makes sense for Netflix to do. Besides the fact that they have trillions of dollars that they can do whatever the hell they want. So I'm going to have to go back and watch the fourth season because I'm very curious to see that. I, won't, I don't really remember the original one so I won't really be able to compare. But at least as a thought experiment. That's a really fascinating idea that you can really only do on like a streaming platform like that, where you can kind of consume all of it at once. Um, so yeah, interesting. Finally, 
So normally when we have big stories about microtransactions and loot boxes and video games is gambling and all the government shit, we kind of lead off the news on that. So I kind of want to switch it off and end the news with that this time. So, because this is a bit of a positive spin for once on this. <laughs> so net neutrality. We've talked about this before. Uh, a little history on net neutrality. So when it was originally passed last December, it was supposed to go into effect in April of this year, where net neutrality would no longer exist. And for those still need a refresher on net neutrality, net neutrality is the is the a law that basically says there can be no favoritism on the internet. Comcast or I got like Comcast can't go to Netflix and Amazon and say, "Hey, Amazon, Netflix is paying us more, so we're going to give them faster streaming quality. You either need to match them or your service is going to be poor." Or some other big company can can pay to like punish smaller online retailers and give them slow internet speeds, whatever. Net neutrality says that that is unlawful, cannot happen. Yeah, there's something like there's something very like 20s and 30s New York gangster protection fee about that whole thing. Right. And I will say, because we, you know, I did a lot of research on this and we talked about it a couple episodes ago when it initially came up, but I wanted to look at it from a very objective perspective because, like, I'm pro net neutrality. I think it's good. But I wanted to see from the other argument and not of like a, so I can prove them wrong, but legitimately I was curious about what the anti-net neutrality argument was. And it basically comes down to like, this is a free market. This is a capitalist world we live in where the way that we have set the federal government up is they need to kind of stay the hell out of business. That's not their job. Their job is not to regulate business unless it's in the terms of like a monopoly or something like where the companies are breaking the law, blah, blah, blah. And so the fact that there's net neutrality seems like an unfair restriction on capitalism. Like if a company is bigger and better and has more money, that's the way that it works. And you can argue that that's not the way it should work. That's an argument we could have, but that's not the way the laws are set up. That's not the way our federal government is set up. They're not allowed to do that. And so from that perspective, like, you can see why they would repeal net neutrality. I'm not saying I agree with it, but it makes sense of why they would. So net neutrality was supposed to cease in April because it's the government and they can't ever do anything ever. (laughs) They didn't make it in time. And so it was supposed to be shut down in like June or something like that. As part of that, there's some recent law. And again, I'll link the Game Informer story, which is really comprehensive, really fascinating for folks that are interested. There's some new kind of law that enables a party to bring forth a repeal and only have to earn a simple majority, which is just more than 50%. Normally, to repeal something, you need, I, I don't know what it's called, but I would call it like a complex majority, where you need two-thirds in order to repeal something. So to pass a law, you need a simple majority. To repeal a law, you need a complex majority. That's to help not like, you know, one year the Republicans are dominating Congress and so they pass this law and then the next year the Democrats are dominating and so they just repeal it because they get the simple majority and that even makes worse of like nothing ever gets done. So in order to repeal this, they would normally need a complex majority, but because of this new law and something happening with it, I think maybe because it was delayed, they were allowed to bring this forth again, they only needed a simple majority in the Senate. Because the Republicans only have a small uh, majority of the Senate, I think it's only like two, they only have like two additional members than the Democrats. Basically, the Republicans were pro anti-net neutrality 
and the Dems were anti-anti-net neutrality. So the Democrats were trying to repeal this. And because Senator McCain, who's a Republican, is currently in the hospital with health issues, the Democrats, assuming everybody voted on party lines, the Democrats only needed one Republican to vote in favor of their repeal for it to be repealed. And they actually got three Republicans to vote against party lines in support of repealing the net neutrality rule. So that doesn't mean that net neutrality is back. That just means that it's passed the Senate and now it has to go through the House, right. which is the the Republicans have a larger majority in the House. So it will theoretically be more difficult to pass a simple majority in the House. And even if it goes through the House, Trump still has to sign this into law to repeal the net neutrality repeal. And he has always been very adamantly against net neutrality because it, he's obviously super well, capitalist. Yeah. And it whatever. was also something the Obama administration put into effect. And he has very yes. vocally been against literally every single thing the Obama administration did. Which is what every president yeah, does. Like sure. if you go from a Democrat to a Republican yeah. or a Republican, you that's have to the vilify problem with our the two party system. Yeah. Yes. Yes, absolutely. You are never allowed to agree with anyone that is on the other side of yeah. the aisle, which it contributes to this whole us versus them mentality, right. the extremist pers- perspective of Republicans and Democrat voters, the fact that nothing ever gets done. It's only getting worse. Everything's terrible. We're all going to die. <laughs> so, obviously, this is all very complex. We're talking about government bullshit here. But I bring this up because, one, this is a positive step in the pro-net neutrality fight. And, two... A lot of people saw this and were like, oh, net neutrality is back, which is not the case. This is still a very long shot to happen because it has to get through the House, which will be difficult, because then Trump has to sign it, which will, again, be difficult for that to happen. So don't get your hopes up yet, folks that are pro-net neutrality, but at least we're still in the fight, basically, is why this is worth talking about. So, yeah. Government. Get out of our shit. (laughs) <laughs> or or don't well, i guess maybe stay it's the in argument <laughs> get wallow in, in shit my when shit. i want you to <laughs> this is I, like i feel like this was hate of the week just a couple weeks ago about people blaming the government and then wanting the government to help them and then blaming them again that's kind of what i'm doing right now well and, and so like the larger issue like or the larger conversation is and, and the reason why net neutrality is such a hot button topic and why it's so divisive is because the issue that it's based upon is divisive, and that's whether or not access to internet should be viewed as a utility or as yes. a luxury. And right yes. now, in capitalist terms, a lot of people think it is a luxury, whereas right, and therefore should not be regulated correct. by the government. Yes. Whereas if it is viewed as a utility, as a, and in terms of like something that people need to keep up. Like gas or yeah. electricity or exactly. water. Yes. Like then that's when the government steps in because they want to make sure that everybody has equal uh, access to it. Um, yes. As equal as you can get, really. Um, right. And that's where I'm coming from. And we talked about this last time. I absolutely believe that it should be viewed as a utility. Yeah. I think that it should be under the same stringent uh, regulations as other utilities. And therefore, like, like a, a gas company can't come in and say – Oh, because this house pays us more, we're going to give them gas and take away your gas because you aren't willing to pay us as much. That can't happen. And this is the same exact instance of that. Right. Uh, And it can't happen because people need gas to like heat heat their (laughs) homes um, and like run their stoves and stuff. So, um, you know, I think like 
our society is increasingly a technology-driven one, and I don't think that it's plausible for most of the country to get by without access, um, without consistent and stable access to um, uh, to to the internet. I mean, that's how most uh, most places of employment don't even give you paper applications anymore. You have to apply online. Um, yeah, I, most schools are entirely online now. Um, I know a lot of schools no longer do physical textbooks. It's all online textbooks. Uh, they they Skype in chat for lectures and stuff. Like it's it's integrated mm-hmm. so deeply into our education system, and our education system in most cases is federally regulated. That it ties into that as well. But in just in terms of how we process and distribute information economically, socially, uh, in terms of education, it's so dependent upon access to everything uh access to everything else everything being connected that um i think it's it's crazy that there are still parts of the united states that don't have access to internet or like people that don't have access to high speed they're still on dsl or like cable internet totally i think that stuff that stuff's crazy to me um Totally agree. And if it were federally regulated, that would not be the case because they would be the ones responsible for running the lines. And, you know, frankly, it would put some CEOs out of a job, but it would create a lot of other jobs uh, in the short term because, you know, running new infrastructure, cabling infrastructure throughout the United States would be a huge undertaking that would be costly but would in some ways, I think, stimulate the economy and and create jobs for people because we're at a really bad unemployment rate. And we have been for a while, but it's not getting better. So, I don't think that's true. I think unemployment is actually very good right now. Are you sure? The unemployment rate is very good. I think that's. I think that's. The I case. thought last year it's, was like it, one of the record highs for unemployment in the past. So, like several decades. It's anecdotal, but I was talking to one of our human resources hiring managers the other day, and she was lamenting about obviously not super lamenting because it's good that people have jobs, but just that it's a job seekers market right now. There are more job opportunities than there are job seekers is the way that she framed it. Oh, I, okay. So on national employment monthly update, national unemployment rate at 3.9% through April. That's super. Yeah. And the national unemployment rate dipped from 4.1 to 3.9. Interesting. I mean, there were, there were times, there were times in the past couple of years where it was like up to 6%, which is like the highest it's ever been. Right. Okay. All right. Well, but your point, your point still stands. The larger point still sure. stands. Um, yeah, well, all this conversation good. makes me want to have like a separate podcast. That's like about larger government and like privacy issues. Cause like I could go in a whole thing. One of the big things at this marketing conference, there's a new law in the UK called GDPR, which is about like uh, personal data security and how like right now as a marketer, I love learning data about people, what kind of websites they visit. If they go to our website, we have a little pixel on our website so we can track your IP address and know where you came from. Like all that data is really valuable for me to be able to market to you. But the UK has come out and said like, a lot of that data, we don't want people, we don't want companies to be able to have when a person doesn't know they have it. This is a whole thing that happens with Facebook about this data breach, blah, 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 like being able to target people. Like Facebook should not be gathering this information. Google does it too. Like being able to recommend, like one of the things, I mean, I could go on a whole thing about all this marketing ad stuff, but like one of the things that's really cool that we do in marketing are called retargeting ads. So like this is what, so say you go to, um, like I need a new pair of glasses. 
So I go to warbyparker.com, which is an online glasses retailer where they send you five pairs, you try them on, you can decide which ones you want to buy, whatever. I go there, I check it out. Oh, I'm interested, but I'm not going to buy them right now or I want to look at other competitors, whatever else. So I leave the website. And then I'm on some other, like I'm on Game Informer and a little ad on the side is for Warby Parker. I'm like, what the fuck? How do they know? It's because when you go to Warby Parker, they can track your IP address and then they can service ads to you via Google at that IP address on your computer to remind you of, oh, Warby Parker, whatever else. You see this all the time. And this happens a lot on Facebook too with Facebook ads. They're surfacing you relevant ads that you are more likely to be interested in, which on the one hand is positive for consumers. It's more relevancy in the stuff I'm seeing. It's not random. I'm, it's not random spam emails for a pregnancy test. Like for me, like I don't, I'm not gonna, why the fuck would I need that? But instead I'm getting an ad for something I was just researching or a topic that I'm interested in. But on the negative side, that's terrifying because huge brands now know everything about me, all the stuff I like, what I do in my free time, my age, my gender, if I'm married, if I have kids, they know all this information about me, which is terrifying for them to know, much less the ability for people to hack that and get that information and be able to use it to get my social security number, whatever else, credit card information. So there's definitely two sides of the coin. So this GDPR is basically saying, we've decided that all this data is not something that companies should be allowed to have without the buyer's knowledge. So in order to get this, gather this kind of data, people have to opt into it. And that's like a huge change in the way that marketing and advertising works, but an even larger change in just like how our consumption of stuff works on the internet, how we view things, how we can get these kinds of ads, whatever else. It's just, it's really fascinating. And it makes me want to have a whole podcast where we talk about that shit, (laughs) but talking about the Marvel streaming service of conflicting and disparate audiences not sure how many listeners of this podcast would be interested in a podcast about international marketing trends. <laughs> um, also, not sure if I would be able to co-star that one. A little <laughs> yeah, out of my depth. I should say, I didn't intend for you to also be on this podcast. Oh, so you don't I want to include in me? The general. No. <laughs> <laughs> It was just more generally on the topic. I hadn't thought about who else would be on the podcast. Just, I haven't thought this through. I'm just thinking yeah. out loud. So anyway, fascinating stuff. A lot of terrifying stuff, but fascinating nonetheless. Uh, because we had so much news, and frankly, I just wasn't really in the mood. There's no hate of the week this week. Um, consider that last little tidbit on GDPR marketing info your extra dose of Shay content and opinions. I don't fucking know who gives yeah, a shit. Whatever. So let's wrap it up with some stuff that we don't hate. So I don't hate that I'm going to see Deadpool 2 tomorrow. I'm less excited about Solo, but I'm still very hyped to go see Deadpool. I can't wait. I guess I just don't know when movies come out anymore because I had no idea that was out. Yeah, man. So next next podcast, we'll be talking about Deadpool 2 and Solo. All right. Or at least I will. Okay. Um, and today I don't hate. Um, that come next episode, I will be done with work. I mean, I'll have to work events and stuff yeah, on the weekends, be out. but I'll be done. I have two weeks left. Did you, because I know we talked about this when you first got this job, where you could either get paid just during the school year or do it year round. Mm-hmm. Are you going to get paid in the summer? Yeah, yeah. I, okay. I, I did not want to try to budget for nine right. months out of the year as opposed to the 12 or force yourself to get a side job like that kind right. of thing um i did yeah. we had an end of the year theater meeting and i did tell the kids that i'd be offering acting lessons over the summer so we'll see how many cool. of them are interested i know at least one is 
which that'll be like a little bit of extra influx of cash, which would be very nice. Yeah, it's a very small time investment. Right. I did some, when I first moved to Georgia, I did some private drum lessons and private acting lessons and like when I didn't have a regular job. And I was certainly spoiled because I, a lot of times I looked and I was like, oh, I got to commit whatever this extra hour to this thing. But then I was like, you know what? That's all I right, do. Right, exactly. <laughs> like it's just a couple hours a week in addition to like doing extra work and auditioning that kind right. of crap. But small time investment and you can make some good cash yeah. doing private lessons like that. So we'll see. Cool. All right, well, that's going to do it for this week. As always, Kyle, thank you for joining me, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Be sure to check out SheaHatesEverything.com, where you can find the show notes for this episode, get all the links to all the stuff we talked about, and some funny witticisms written by yours truly. Maybe not so funny or witty, but I write stuff. So check that out on my website. Okay. (laughs) Thanks, everybody, and... uh, We'll see you in the next episode. Peace out.